Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yeah, I think everybody uh, in radio is like their little idiosyncrasies or their crazy habits or quirks. For me, because I'm a guitar player, I have four guitar picks on my table. Why? I don't know. Good luck. You, I really can't explain it. But it, this is one of my little quirks, right? And so just before the show started, like five seconds before the, the, the microphone went live, I dropped like two of them. I mean, a nice little rattling sound on the ground. I don't know if you heard it or not. Maybe not, because I don't think the mic picks up stuff that far away. But anyway, um, that's my thing. So whatever your th- – maybe she asked Brianna what her thing is. What does she have on her desk? So if you, if you do radio or you just do any of this kind of stuff and you have something on your desk or, or some little cute little quirk that uh, – um, I don't know, <laughs> OCD or whatever it's called, something like that. Anyway, that's mine. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's get into government inquiry and let's see what's on Brianna's mind. She started as a guest on Action Radio, courtesy of our Constitution reporter, Amber Kemper. Both Brianna and Amber are graduates of Patriot Academy, a place where young folks get to practice writing and advocating legislation and being legislators in a mock session. Brianna immediately impressed all of us as someone we wanted on the show with her own report. With an insightful mind, asking and taking on complex questions, and a growing skill in sarcasm and satire, plus her study of government, history, the Constitution, and our founding, all of her skills and knowledge combined into something pretty incredible here on Action Radio. And now, the Government Inquiry Report with Brianna Cannon. There we go. Tap the microphone, rattle the phone. Let's see what's going on. <laughs> Good morning, Brianna. Good morning. So what are your idiosyncrasies? Do you have like lucky charms on your desk or, or you know, stuff hanging from your car window or anything like that? Everybody has something. I don't know. I just, I, it's these amusing little things that I think make, you know, life special. This is why I talk about rearranging my, my furniture and then, you know, nuclear war <laughs> all in the same sentence because it's, it's, it's kind of how life is. Um, I don't really think so. No. You need some lucky charms then. Anyway, like I say, I have four guitar picks, two of which are, are old, two of which are sit in my wallet sometimes because when I go to music stores, I like to pull a pick out of my wallet because it shows like I'm a real, real guitar player. And I go, oh, you're a real guitar player. Here, take the $2,500 Les Paul. Please play this one as opposed to the $200, you know, Kramer, <laughs> something like that. So, yeah, so uh, lucky charms have a place. Anyway, I'm just curious. I literally saw that seconds before the show started, so don't ask me why because that's when my, my guitar picks dropped on the ground. But I'm sure we have more important things to talk about. <laughs> we gotta start with something. See, Brianna's not quite ready for me yet, folks. Uh, this is, I don't. I, I don't know if you have anybody that'll hit you with all these things at such bizarre angles as I do, um, especially when you're on the air. But that's okay. You know, this is a good practice. So, what's going on? What's uh, what's what are you inquiring about? What does, what has your inquiring mind come up with for this week? So, um, today I thought we would talk through a problem with this bill. Um, oh, yes. So I haven't been able to get it. You, you sent I'm, it to me, but I couldn't open the file. So uh, we're going to have to start from scratch here, unless you just send me an email with the text while we're talking, which is like multitasking. But uh, I couldn't yeah. get it. 
I know it's complicated, isn't it? Oh, so I... Don't don't shut yourself off the air while you're doing it. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Okay. Right. Yeah. So tell me about your bill. What you want to do? So the bill is um, whenever you read it says relating to violating the oath of office for government employees. Mm-hmm. And so the purpose of this is kind of like a check and balance. Because right now I'm not like adding in a law that isn't already there or anything because, you know, um, that's already a power that's in there in the um, U.S. code and in the Constitution about violating mm-hmm. um the oath of office and impeachment and everything. The only thing that I'm doing is making it actually be held accountable, you know, because right now it's there but not enforced. So I'm kind of like putting in a provision to make it enforced. Okay. Where are you putting um, it? Do you know where in law, have you a section law you want to put it in? Because um, that's usually the hardest part no, of this whole not process. not necessarily. Okay. So that's I guess our, I would that's, just add it. Yeah. In here, I just kind of added it, I guess it would be like um, in 5 U.S. Code 3331 about the oath of office. So USC 5, Section 3331. Okay, I can look that up. Let me pull that up real quick. Yeah, a lot of times people think writing the bill is the hardest part. It's not. It's it's figuring where to put it. Because <laughs> a lot of our bills, our bills are so simple and so straightforward and so logical um, because we don't we don't burden all our bills with all this legislative nonsense um, that a lot of times, you, you, especially if you're correcting legislation, you know, the hardest part with my vaccine bill is not writing the vaccine bill. It's finding where it says in law, vaccine manufacturers shall not be liable. The easy part was turning shall not be liable to be fully liable. That's just a couple of words. Like anybody can change that. But where you put it, where you find it, where the actual title, I think it's 42 something, 350 BBB or wherever it, wherever it was. Um, that was the hard part. So 5 U.S.C. section 3331. Do you use the Cornell lawsuit, uh, Cornell uh, Legal Information Institute? Because th- that's usually the one that pops up. Maybe it pops up first for me because I use it. But I think that's the yeah. best source. Okay. All right. Good. Okay. So 5 U.S. Code section. I love that section sign. I don't have one of those on my computer keyboard. So, you know, anyway. Oath of office. An individual, except the president, elected or appointed to an office of honor or profit in the civil service. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean an office of profit in the civil service? What's that? Who's making money in the government? It means like you're holding any government position where you receive income from the government. Oh, okay. So honor or profit, what they really mean is honor or income, I guess. Yeah. So paid or unpaid. Okay, all right. So I was a little confused. Well, thank you for clearing that up. Honor, private, civil service, or uniform services, that would be the military, shall take the following oath. Now, it's interesting. They say accept the president. Why do they say accept the president? Because the president has a different oath. It's in Article 2, Section 1, Clause 8. Oh, you're good. <laughs> You've been practicing. Um, yeah, exactly right. And so a lot of people don't know that, but the, the president has a specific oath that is in the Constitution. I don't know if anybody else has an oath that's in the Constitution. I don't think the Supreme Court judges do, and I don't think the vice president does. Is there any other? Uh, okay, so it's just the president. All right. It's, uh, all right, so, the, so but everybody else takes the following oath. I, I guess AB, that would be your, the person, do solemnly swear or affirm, for those that don't believe in God, that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That would include the Democrat Party. No, that's not in there. I'm just having fun. 
that I'll bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, which, of course, none of them do, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter. So help me God, for those that believe in God. This section does not affect other oaths required by law. <laughs> do you like my additions? <laughs> that's, that's a little fun there. Well, how, how does the oath strike you? Does it make, I mean, I think it's actually pretty good. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, I put it, like, I lay out the entire um, oath in the bill. Well, no, actually, that's not a bad idea. So if we do 5 U.S. Code Section 331, Oath of Office, and you make the actual oath, so, so section, so three, three, section three, 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 then you put a, you know, a part a is the actual oath. Part B would be what you want to put in, right? How's that sound? Yeah. Okay. So if you make part a, yeah. is that what you've done or, or not? Tell me, I'm, I mean, I don't want to, I want to give you credit where credit's due. Is that how you did it? No, I just put all of it in section one. Okay, so we've got, so, well, section 3331 is the section. Then we get into the subsections. Subsection would be, uh, or subpart. So the first part, no, I'm not subpart. Well, anyway, you've got like big A, big one, little A, little one. <laughs> you've got all these different, you know, derivations, fractions, and all kinds of, it gets the quantum mechanics when you get small enough. All right, let's just go A for the oath, and let's go B for your part. Does that make sense? That way we separate. The two. Yes. Okay. So yeah. what have you said? What, what's your part B? Because I think this is brilliant. This is going to be really, this is going to be easy. I don't know if it's going to, is, is this how, how you envisioned it? Because I think you've got the right concept. Um, I didn't actually think of doing like part A's and B's and stuff in the actual like U.S. code on this. Uh-huh. I just kind of put it in a bill format. But So I'll probably have okay. to restructure uh, how I did it, but that probably is much smarter. <laughs> don't worry do about it. Yeah, listen, I am in bills all the time. I see. Now, here's the beauty of action radio that a lot of people don't think about, that because everything we do is electronic, people are like, well, you know, hand me a bill. No, <laughs> look it up online. Well, well I, but, but I want it on paper. Okay, well, it's only as good as, a, you know, until the next amendment we make. See, all these bills are self-correcting. You can make any change you want. And this is why we post the changes in the comment section. And so we have a legislative record. So a lot of what we do is really is, you know, very much based on, on what Congress and the state legislators do. Legislatures, excuse me. So in other words, you and I, this is our committee hearing. We just happen to have invited everybody else in the world, including Mark on the Netherlands, and Pianchi's listening in too. He's on, he's on the live chat. So these guys might live chat any time. Uh, okay, Pianchi says, it is refreshing to hear her conversations. That would be you. Uh, Marco says, good morning. So there's like, um, what you might do at some point is put the show on, but mute it so you can get the live chat. If you're calling in by phone, if we can uh, get you to get a microphone and a headset, then I'll give you a direct connect and you can just broadcast directly on the internet. And you can also monitor live chat at the same time. Uh, that's kind of what I do. All right. So tell me your part B unless you have other comments. Okay. Um, how about I just kind of like read you what it is? Because I don't really, I haven't put it in that format. It's okay. Um, we can do that right now. This is I, I love, so, I love legislating. This is why I created Action Radio, so we can actually legislate on the air. So, so tell me what you got, and let's uh, let's see what you want to do with it. Go for it. Yeah, the main parts of this is like making sure that it, I think the biggest problem for me is mm-hmm. realistic. Like, is what I'm doing going to be realistic? Oh, stop that. So, um, stop, that. stop that. Stop that right there. That, don't, we, I don't want you to be limited by what you think is realistic. 
because nothing you do here is realistic. If you, yeah. No, I'm serious about this. No, if you talk to, uh, in fact, that's the number one thing I get. Well, if any of your bills passed, you know, you're not being reasonable. You're not being realistic. You know, Congress will never do this. Well, see, I'm not asking Congress. I'm not asking Congress to do this. You know, the, the asking part ended when Brandon stole the government. We're now in the telling process. We're going to be telling Congress what to do. We don't have time to waste, you know, just being nice anymore. And so what we need is millions of people sending our links into Congress and the state legislatures and the media and the pollsters and saying, look, this is, this is, we're taking our freedom back, and this is how we're doing it. So we need you to take a look at these bills, and if they want to modify and do what they do in Congress, because constitutionally that's what they, that, that's what they do, that's fine. But they better damn well take these bills and put them in Congress because this is our freedom we're talking about. I mean, how long do you want to live without freedom? I don't want to live very long without freedom. You know, I've, I've, I've had yeah. enough of living without freedom. I, you know, I got, I got stuff to do, and I got stuff to leave to your generation, and you've got stuff to leave to the next generation. That's how it works. And don't be realistic. I don't, I don't want – you don't be realistic on this show. That's not a criteria. I'm not jumping on you. I'm just I – just, but I just hear things like that. I go, ah. I'm sorry. I feel better now. Brianna, I <laughs> calm down. I have vented. I feel better. So please, Brianna, tell me your bill. Okay. And then at the end, there's two uh, problems that I have. Okay. Okay. So it says mm-hmm. Section 1, pertaining to Article 2, Section 1, Clause 8 of the United States Constitution, I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. And then I write in 5 U.S. Code 3331, um, which is the oath of office that you had just read. And then in so, section two, I said this. Bad. Well, just, how is how is the presidential oath different? What are, what are the words that are different? Have you got that real handy? Because they're very similar, but they're not the same. Yeah, um, I know that the one for like everybody else is a little bit longer and says that they says the things that they won't do, um, you know, like without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and they have more words. While the president one, it really is just saying they'll do the they do they will do their job and protect the constitution. While others are more like um, protecting against enemies and the constitution. Okay, so when was this added? When was this government oath created? Do you have a history on that? I do not. Okay, so that'd be something to look up. Uh, that way we know if it came in the 1800s, for example, it's going to be different in the 1700s because we would have had more experience with our government. So the fact that they added uh, this part about um, supporting and defend the Constitution, and then it said of the United States against enemies foreign and domestic. Well, it seems to me they suddenly realized they had domestic enemies, not just foreign enemies. Because in the beginning... I, I imagine this is just speculation on my part, but you can you can research it. That when um, when the founders, when Jefferson, Madison, Washington, Adams talked about enemies, they really were talking about England. So the real enemies were foreign. Yeah, they had adversaries in government. They had problems, and uh, you know, and Aaron Burr, you know, shot Alexander Hamilton in a duel. So they were definitely enemies. Um, but in terms of of big enemies, I don't think there was any kind of organized internal. I mean, the Confederacy certainly hadn't formed yet. And I'm sure that uh, the Union thought of the Confederacy as a domestic enemy, which is why they went to war, just as the Confederacy thought of the Union as a domestic enemy. So the concept of domestic enemies, I'll bet you, took a while to evolve. That would be my guess. What do you think? Yeah, possibly. Okay. Get back to my oath here. 
faithfully execute the laws of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Now, it doesn't say defend the United States in the oath for the president. Isn't that interesting? It says the Constitution. Right. So who's responsible for defending the United States? And it's the same thing. Whenever whenever Uh I was um, within this, it was talking about – I don't remember which one it is. I have written down, but I don't know which one of these it's in. But it's in one of these. And – oh, geez, I forgot what I was thinking of. But it was talking about something in the same way of this oath, kind of like the differences of it. Jeez, okay. what was it? You're having a senior moment What? I said, you having a senior moment? I'm just teasing you. Um, yeah. It's, it's funny when, when younger folks, you know, forget something, they, get, they just forget something. But uh, when us older, we're getting old. That's, I don't know what that line, I think that line is about 50. So when you're under 50, you forget something. When you're over 50, you know you're older. <laughs> you're having a senior moment. So I'm just teasing you. All right. So. But I think this is fascinating. I, I literally never thought of this before until you brought it up and we started going over the oath. So this is why I love talking to you because you know, we come up with all these revelations. So we've got, we've got domestic enemies, which I think was a new concept. Then it says, I bear true faith and allegiance. True faith and allegiance. So faith, they, they, in other words, faith means they believe in it. So not only do you have to support and defend the Constitution, you actually have to believe in it. You have to have faith in it. That's interesting too. I mean, all, all these words mean things. And allegiance means... Overthrowing the government. Ah, go ahead, tell me. Okay, so it was in one of those I was talking about, you know, you can't overthrow the government of the United States. Like, that was uh, an act of, like, um, treason or something where you would be removed Mm -hmm. and stuff, insurrection, and things like that. And Mm -hmm. whenever it was talking about it, it was making it clear. And I think one of the cases was, like, Walker versus members of Congress that I've been looking at. This one, mm-hmm. the Walker versus members of Congress, is probably the most important thing I have here in, I guess, um, towards this legislation. So that would definitely be something that um, is that we could case? go ahead and read. But, Walker v. members of Congress? Yes. Or is, huh, when was that yes. case? Well, I don't know what year. <laughs> All right, I'll, but it's but, Supreme Court? Because I can look it up. Not right now, but I'm just curious. I think so. Okay, Walker. See, members but, of Congress seems seems kind of um, what's the word I'm trying to think. It's not it's not definitive. Like usually, they would list the members of Congress, not just say members of Congress. So, the, I'm, is is that the actual case, or is that a, a description of a case? No, that's the actual case. Members, members but of Congress. In it, whenever they describe hmm. like overthrowing the government, what right. it what it was talking about, like in it. Mm-hmm. It was saying that it was specifically talking about our system of government. Like it was, it was like being specific that it wasn't like the people that they're not trying to overthrow the people that they're not trying. It was that they're not trying to overthrow the system of government. Okay, what is our system? What is our system of government? Right. So, what is our system of government? A constitutional republic. Yeah. Well, the key word being well, constitution. Well, the key word being republic. So, I think the constitution. Seeing a constitutional republic is um, republic is almost redundant. Because a republic, by definition, has to have a constitution. A republic has to have a limitation on government. That's, what, that's the difference between the, uh, uh, one of the main differences between a republic and a democracy. In a democracy, there are no limitations on government. It's only what the people want. So if the people want, you know, if the, if the bottom half plus one of, the, of income earners want the top half minus one, you know, wants their income, they can vote it because it's a democracy. Anything goes. 
Whereas in a republic, you can't do that because you cannot take property without due process. And you certainly can't vote other people's property to you. So the differences between a republic and a democracy are stark and huge. But I just find it interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks, Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things that they can't do um, that's like, I guess, part of like that insurrection or treason or, or whatever that mm-hmm. you can't do that you'd be removed from office is if you advocate for these insurrections or overthrow government. So people are advocating for, you know, communism or socialism, or they're advocating to change over to a democracy or anything against our constitution, basically trying to change it and take the constitution out. Basically that would be in accordance with this. Do you have that in your And there's bill? a lot of people with that. No, yeah, this is this is no. I think you're really onto something important here. Do you do you have that in your bill that the oath of office means that you shall not be changing our form of government from a republic to anything else? Is that in your bill? Um, I haven't have it listed out, but I wrote in the sections like I wrote in um, in section four. I put violating the oath of office includes transgressing the constitution or other provisions laid out in five U.S.C. seventy three eleven. Um, 5 U.S.C. 3331 or Executive Order 10450, Article 1, Section 5 of the United States Constitution or any other jurisdictional bound in the Constitution will result in the penalties described in 18 U.S.C. 1918, including removal of office, confinement, or fine, and losing eligibility to hold any government position in the United States. And what I was talking about is listed within those codes. You are absolutely brilliant. This is incredibly cool what you're doing. I need to give you a round of applause for this. So you don't need my help. Just write your bill. (laughs) I mean, really, you've got it pretty organized. You've got it cross-referenced. You've got it cited. You've got the right codes. You've got uh, the Constitution. You've got the statutes. Uh, The only other one um, I might add is is, uh, my favorite one, uh, Title 18, Section 241, Conspiracy Against Rights. So if uh, it's one thing to act individually, but if, if people act in a conspiracy to uh, change our form of government or violate the oath, that might you be said something. You Title might... 18, Section 1 or 9? 241. Title 18, Section 241. It is one of my favorite sections of, of the U.S. Code because it's never really used. It was originally written, um, the, it was called the Matthew Shepard provision. In other words, Matthew Shepard... Um, who was a drug dealer, was killed by other drug dealers, but uh, the left focused on the fact that he was gay, and they said it was, it was a, a violate. they killed him you know, as a violation of his civil rights because they, they, you know, it was a hate crime. Uh, but it doesn't matter what the reason is. What matters is what's in the law. You know, it's like there, there was a decision yesterday or an opinion by this, this idiot judge, Karen something or other, you know, of course, it's definitely a, it's a liberal Karen and said that uh, the Oregon, you know, ridiculous gun control bill is OK because, you know, the it's, it's within the Second Amendment to, you know, limit things that, you know, that are historically whatever, you know, not in common use. So it's just one of those bogus made up principles. That's a bunch of BS. That's not true. Um, and so it, that would be a conspiracy to me, you know, well, I think I'm off a, a little bit of a tangent here, but anyway, there's a lot of stuff done in government that is not directly related to their oath of office or what they're supposed to do. Um, but if it's a, if it's going well, let me get back to the conspiracy angle. So in other words, if the entire Democrat party, you know, says the gun control is okay, 
uh, and that uh, they start passing gun control laws, is that not a violation of rights against their oath of office to maintain a republic and protect individual rights and support and defend the Constitution, which includes the Second Amendment? And the answer would be yes. <laughs> it is a conspiracy. Yes. Uh, so we might, so, so you might want to put that in. Bill, it would uh-huh. it would kind of force them to get rid of them. And this is also something, because right now they already have the power to do this. And, you know, it, it was actually mm-hmm. really difficult to try and figure out, you know, who all has been removed of office and stuff like this. Because mm-hmm. it's like, Dr. Sir, there had to have been someone who's at least someone, if not multiple people, who have been removed from office for violating their oath of office or, you know, um, violating they the Constitution been. or something. No, no, they, they actually haven't been, and this is the crazy part. Uh, people are, are exactly. impeached, people are impeached for, for high crimes and misdemeanors. So the only people I know have been removed from office, uh, the biggest one that comes to mind is Richard Nixon, and he actually resigned. But he was going to be impeached and removed yes. anyway. Okay, so that's the biggest the one. Only, uh, uh-huh. The only people actually, like, impeached or actually removed from office are only mm-hmm. eight judges, and I have them like listed and what they did and stuff too. But only mm. eight judges. That's it. Pretty sickening, huh? And over two hundred years. Yeah, look at those members of Congress. Okay, so now you're on to something. Now what you've done um, is, and actually there was uh, the Brunson family, Lori Brunson, who was on our show for I think almost three hours once, and he was on for like well over two and a half. <laughs> we went overtime. Um, Diane uh, Warner brought him on, which was fabulous. She, was, she used to do some great work with us on election integrity. Anyway, so Lloyd Brunson tried to bring this to the Supreme Court. And I knew the case was going to lose, but I, I, you know, I, I wanted to have him on the show anyway because I wanted to hear what he had to say. Uh, but they were saying that, uh, that the, the, the oath is binding, uh, that they have to support the oath of office. And, and the court simply said, look, there's nothing in the, in, the, in the federal law that says they have to, you know, that they're held to the oath of office. That just is what the oath is. And the court was absolutely right. So that's why your bill is so important, because what we want to do is, is have, you know, part A, the oath of office, and part B, you know, compliance with the oath, you know, you're bound by that oath. You know, so uh, if you take that oath freely and without menstrual reservation, if you have allegiance and true faith, then you should be bound by it. And the question is how, you know, when do we get into a place where people are, are violating the oath of office? It's going to be really tricky. This is going to get very interesting. But it looks like you've got enough legal citations. I have to read them uh, and, and, and check them out. Not that you're wrong. I just, need, I just want to see them for myself. Um, but it looks like you've cross-referenced it very well and have brought it in. So, so just give me, if you could, like, sum up for people that are new. That are like, oh, my God, what is she talking about? What do you want to do? How do you want folks to comply with the oath? What's, what's, what's the goal here? So the problem is we can't, in legislation, you can't, you can write like things like, and this is something that um, I'll read here in a little bit, but I don't want to skip to that just yet. Um, You know, with it, you can put provisions of punishment or you can put things that will happen like if they don't go in accordance with the law. But with that, all it is is paper. You know, they actually have to follow the paper, and people, someone has to actually invoke those punishments on them. So unless they actually do this, it is just a piece of paper or a document. But, you know, right. putting a document out there that tells you exactly what's going to happen. And that's part of the reason why I think the oath and their duty is so important, that they have to follow this Constitution. They have to invoke these laws. They have 
to follow everything in this because you know if they that's why you know our founders are so big that you know this government will not work without a just religious and moral people because mm-hmm. we know if you view people the evil people that don't care, then they're not going to follow the rules. They're not going to, you know, actually do what these documents are saying. No, I agree with you. Um, in fact, I had to make this decision before I even started this whole, you know, crazy path down uh, down action radio was, you know, it, these things, these laws that, were, that I wanted to write have to be enforced. And the conclusion I came to mm-hmm. is that they will never be enforced unless they're written. So we cannot guarantee their enforcement. And I never make that promise to people. I cannot guarantee that good people will come forward and enforce these laws. But I can guarantee that without them, nothing will happen. And things will stay exactly as bad as yeah. they are. So it's worth it to put the laws on the books, hoping and lobbying and advocating that good people will use these laws. And you know who else can use them as lawyers. Um, it's like a vaccine product liability. Uh, Jeff Childers was on the show. I actually met him. Um, he's a great lawyer. He's in Gainesville, Florida. He got their mask mandate removed. And he told me that he says, you know, we lawyers, we're, you know, we're, we're like mechanics. You know, we fix things. He says, but we need tools to do that. Kind of paraphrasing what he said. Uh, he says, the laws are our tools. I said, if you give us good laws, then we can use them in court. And I always remember that. And so what you're creating here is a really good law. Now, what's going to happen with it? We don't know. There's too many people, too many minds, too many possibilities, too many events that we don't know about. We can't see into the future, but we can put a good law in that makes the oath of office binding. And that is the word. They are bound by this in the same way that the Supreme Court judges are bound by good behavior. Now, good behavior has never really been defined. You might want to take that on next. Binding yeah. them to their oath of office, I think, is absolutely critical because without, it, without binding people to their – see, now in the old days, the oath was, was all you had before computers, before signature verification, before, before all this electronic stuff. Your word was your bond. That was your guarantee. If I, get, you know, if I give my word or you give your word and you break it, you have no credibility. Nobody will ever trust you again. So your word was sacred. Well, it's not sacred anymore because we have computers and verification and, you know, polygraph, lie detector tests and all this other nonsense. So electronics have replaced that sacred bond of the oath. So when our country was founded, I'm sure they didn't need to bind people to the oath because if you broke your oath, you were scum. You were like at the bottom of the pig trough. You know, you're the lowest form of life there is. You're down there with the salamanders and the newts and the slugs and all the other nasty stuff. That's where you are if you break your oath, if you break your word. You don't get it back. Trust is gone. Once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. So nobody wanted to break their oath. I think that's, they, yeah, go ahead. I think that's something like really big with mine, though, because, you know, it's not like I'm not creating a new law and just enforcing a pre-existing law that hasn't been enforced. But also, you know, with it, you know, one of the things is, oh, it might take a little bit of time, but also this is a huge priority because what it's mm-hmm. going to do, and I haven't actually gotten to the most important part of this yet, but what it's okay. actually going to do is it's going to force them to be held accountable. And if they don't do this to hold each other accountable, then they get punished. And, you know, so it's kind of forcing this. And basically what I'm saying is any, like, action and policy, it's not going to go unnoticed. You can't just sweep it under the rug, you know, mm-hmm. if you're um, doing something that's unconstitutional or, or wrong, you know. And no, I do. Yeah. No, you're, so I'm going right to read on. through a little bit more of this, and then mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you what my problem is, because I have about two problems here that 
I need to sort. Okay. No, you're doing fabulous. In so the far, bill, so I haven't actually yeah. finished writing everything, so I'll just mm-hmm. describe the rest of it. Okay. Um, so we're on section two, and it says, this law includes every representative, senator, president, federal agent, bureaucrat, judge, those in the presidential candidate, and any and all public servants elected or appointed serving in the U.S. government under the oath of office. No, and then part A, no circumstance allows anyone under these government positions to be exempt or contain any special privilege from following the contents of this law. You can make that simpler because the president has a separate oath. So you might run into a little conflict with that because the presidential oath, like we already talked about, is already in the Constitution. You could put anybody who takes this oath, as stated in Section 331, shall be bound by it. You can make it that simple. And then you can explain bound, and, okay. you can, the, and you're bound by it, how? And then the next section is you explain how they're bound by it. They have to do this, 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 and this, and this. And if they violate this, this, and this, you could use the good behavior standard. You could use the, uh, um, that if they do not show true faith or allegiance, or if they don't, uh, or if, it, if they've proven that uh, they didn't take the obligation freely, if they have a conflict of interest, or if they do have a mental reservation, they actually don't believe in it. If they're like a Marxist Muslim, like Obama, for example, there's no way he could take the oath because he couldn't do it without mental reservation or purpose of evasion because he, was, he, he did it specifically to fundamentally, tra- fundamentally transform our country. Well, he just admitted that he's against the republic. He, he, he disqualified himself before the election. But nobody picked up on that. But with your law, someone could say, wait a minute. He just disqualified himself. He just said he wants to fundamentally transform America into something other than a republic with a constitution. Well, that's illegal under our system. This has all kinds of implications. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. What else you got? Tell me more. Yeah, because what this is doing, it's going to clear out a lot of corruption. If it's actually used, if it's actually implemented, it's going to clear out a lot of that corruption, which is one of our top priorities. Because if you don't, I mean, no matter what kind of huge priority that you have that, Mm -hmm. you know, may even be more important than this, there's no way that it's going to get through if you have a corrupt government. And, you know, you're never going to clear out all the corruption. It's just, you know, it comes with government. But you can, you can probably clear out a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't take embezzlers out of, I mean, out, of, out of all banking, but we still go to banks and put our money there. You know, I mean, nothing's perfect. We're not mm-hmm. trying to be perfect, but we're trying to put a mechanism in to weed out the parts that are dangerous. And that would be those who take the oath. Making a little bit weaker. Yeah, uh, but those who take the oath who specifically intend to violate it. You know, that's what we're trying to go after. Yeah. Everybody makes little mistakes. I'm not after the little mistakes or, or something that screws up a little bit or, or something that, you know, that uh, doesn't have true faith but has like 98% true faith. Okay, fine. You know, we're, but I'm going after the people that openly went into government, like the people that openly tried to sabotage Trump. Um, do you know about Schedule F at all? Have you heard about that? No, I have not. We may want to incorporate this in. I'm not sure. Okay, Schedule F is a change in the status of federal employees at the upper management and policy level. And so right now the president has 4,000 appointees. They have no civil service protection. They serve at the pleasure of the president. Trump wrote a Schedule F, which he signed uh, right before he left office. And, of course, Brandon immediately overturned it, which said that some 50,000 government employees at the high policy and, and management level or policymaking and management level will also be at the pleasure of the president and they can be fired. Well, that's what he needs to get rid of all the 80 Trump people in government. 
I would extend Schedule F to the entire government. You might want to take a look at Schedule F and see if you include all government employees who take the oath of office shall now be covered by Schedule F. You could do that. And then we get this bill to the Trump campaign. No, seriously, we get this to Trump's campaign and say, hey, look what we've done with your idea. We've expanded it to the whole government. I I intend to send this to Trump anyway, you know, because this is good. This is very good what you're doing. You know, okay. Who knows? Maybe we'll get our trip to (laughs) Mar-a-Lago. That's what I'm hoping. Anyway, (laughs) don't be surprised one day if I call you up and say, hey, uh, and that goes for anybody, anybody uh, any of our action radio reporters. Um, and, 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 uh, Pianchi's not an official reporter, but I, I couldn't imagine not going without him. <laughs> he would be kind of, you know, so anyway, so Pianchi, I know you're listening, but uh, if we get the call, you know, and I can bring people, you know, from action radio to Mar-a-Lago, you're all going. So keep that in the back of your head. All right. <sighs> now, that our, now that we've had our enjoyment, you know, for the moment back to the bill. So what's, uh, <laughs> okay. Next section. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on section three. Mm-hmm. This enacts a process including a review of actions, policy, and involvement. The review for each position is designated and listed at the corresponding times for each position found in sections and then blah, 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 because I haven't actually put those sections in here yet. Um, Uh So A is all actions, policy, decisions, or implementations, or involvement in the actions or policy decisions of others are to be recorded in the file of each individual applicable under Section 2, which was describing who is under this. Mm-hmm. Um, like whoever took the oath of office serves in government stuff. Section B yeah. is the file yeah. for each individual shall be updated in accordance mm. with any action, policy, decision, or involvement in that of others. Every, or in Part C, every file shall be made public at all times and made accessible to all U.S. citizens and government employees. The file of the individual or agency shall be read aloud at the designated review per their position's designation. The file presented at the designated review shall include all actions, policy decisions, and involvement from the day of the previous review to the day of the current review. Recorded information presented from a file at a previous review is not required to be represented at the next review, but is permitted. The only information permitted omission from the file's public access is confirmed classified information by accurate designation. The classified information shall be kept until declassified. Once declassified, that information shall be included on the next review. This review process shall be open to the public with full transparency to all U.S. citizens. That's a separate bill. Uh, It's too much for this bill. It's too complicated, and it's it's getting beyond it. It's not that it's it's a bad thing. It's it's a very interesting idea. Uh, I think we might run into problems of disclosure of having government employees for actions because there are vindictive other government employees that might use this process to try and get rid of people they don't like. So we have to safeguard against that. Um, But I think overall, if we have a review process of government employees that have violated their oath of office, and it can be proven that they violated their oath of office. It should definitely be uh, be open to the public to review. But I don't know if you want to do it for every government employee, for every slight infraction, or everything in the personnel file. That might be logistically impossible, and it might be open, like I say, to abuse by other government employees because government's a nasty place. Yeah, this there, is yeah. This is okay. where my first problem comes in because it's like, okay, well, okay. who makes this file? Yeah, you know, and exactly. you know, whenever I was looking into it. We have, um, 
I mean, you have your representatives and you have your senators and stuff in Congress, but you also have all of the different ones in all the different states and stuff. You also have all of your judges. And along with everybody in, like, uh, the executive cabinet and everything else. But then what I didn't include is all of those people who were just appointed to positions. I mean, I have no idea how many people are just appointed to different positions, but I'm guessing it's going to be more than the people who are actually, like, holding the office. And then whenever I was looking into how many, like, bureaucrats and federal agents we have, it's over 2 million. 2 million yeah. bureaucrats and federal agents. And so I, at that point, I knew that not every single person is going to be able to have a file. Not every single person is going to be able to be reviewed. So I kind of had to make an adjustment on the bureaucrat side. And in this bill, I haven't included any of the extra staff that are, like, appointed or anything, except for judges, of course. But what well, I am going to put have, is yeah. – well, they have the good behavior standard, only for the Supreme Court judges, because that's the only one that, that uh, is officially in the Constitution. But uh, I would assume I that the other judges. Yeah, but yeah, okay. Well, actually, this this bill is you know this law, uh, Section three three one, as we as we said before, it says uh, an in an individual elected or appointed to an office of honor or profit, in other words, you know, free or or paid, in the civil service, which is all government employees, or the uniformed services, which is all the military. So this oath of office, this section already covers all federal government employees. Yeah. And so with it, the review process isn't for the staff and it isn't for all the millions of bureaucracy and stuff like that. But Uh every single person under the oath can at any time be removed from office in violations of this, you know, if if it's proven that they do. But they don't have to undergo this review process. And this is where I was kind of trying to figure it out. It's like not everybody has to do this, but they can still be eligible. And, you know, that it's just kind of having to put that realistic part in there. This is kind of like the, you know, realistic idea that I had to figure through. And the other thing is, you know, who is going to make these files? Because I think we can – and what are – what I was saying in this is I, I agree that the actions and the policy, I think the policy decision makes sense, but the part about the action and involvement, I think, is mm-hmm. probably a little too broad. But yeah, I would be weary of I think that everybody needs such... that review, and I'll explain what it is in, in a different yeah. section. Well, you could put those under Schedule F under that kind of review, where they can be removed for violating the oath of office. Uh, take a look at Schedule F. I think you'll find it really uh, impressive because it's the 50,000 top people immediately below the 4,000 political appointees. So that'd be below the cabinet, below the top, you know, directors of the different agencies, but, you know, the uh, directors of the, the, the divisions of the agencies, that kind of stuff. Uh, so 50,000 is a lot of people, you know, uh, we're not going after, you know, the, the uh, you know, the greeter at the door, <laughs> you know, we're not going after the security guard, you know, so this is, this is, we're talking about the people that make policy. Those are the ones you really want to go after. You know, the FBI, do I want the person that, uh, you know, cleans the halls? No, I don't care. I'm sure they take this oath, but th- I'm not worried about them. Uh, I'm worried about the Peter Strucks and the, and the other folks and the Andrew McCabe's uh, and, and the, uh, the Durham's, you know, who are part of the cover-up and the Bill Barr's and all those folks, the higher-ups, those are the ones. So look at Schedule F and see if you want to make that section uh, apply to Schedule F people uh, because they're, they, they, uh, hopefully they will, you know, if that goes in, then they won't be covered by civil service. They won't have that protection. We, we may want to, in another bill, abolish civil service anyway. I think we should. Uh, but I think what you're describing uh, is a policy that would be too complex for this bill, and it may be too complex for any bill. Well, let's put that aside for now. 
and let's go with what you've got with the compliance with the with the oath. In other words, the, the binding of the of the government employees to the oath. In other words, if you swear to do this and you don't do this, you're out. What's the point of swearing to an oath that there's no consequence for, for breaking the oath? We need to put a consequence to breaking the oath. That, I think that's the part that's been lost. Whereas there was a consequence to breaking the oath back in our early days because your word was your bond. And if you lost it, you lost it. But there's no consequence well, to breaking your oath today. That's the problem. See, that's Go the ahead. importance of this because right now they already have like punishments listed in there that if mm-hmm. you uh, violate your oath of office and different things like this. And even individual states, like state governments have passed laws for this too. But the problem is it's never enforced. And so mm-hmm. like, I th- that's why I was thinking of this review process because I, I've been trying okay. to figure out, okay, how do I make this enforced? Because you know, people can yeah. find hundreds of different examples throughout history of people um, in the United States government, you know, violating their oath of office. And then that includes, like, current day, like history from, like, yesterday beyond, you know. And well, it's just yeah. never – been enforced. And so I was kind of thinking of how it can be enforced. And the only thing I thought is, well, bring it and put it in their face. And so I'll explain the review process here a little bit further down to where maybe okay. it'll make more sense. But yeah, that is, um, it, it is kind of complex, I guess that needs to be sorted down. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Hey, listen, it's easier to start with complex and make it simpler than to start simple and, and then have to try and build it up. <laughs> so I don't mind you being overly complex. Of course. That's, not a, that's not a problem. The, this is sculpture. Legislation yeah. is like sculpture. So if you ever see a, a, a time-lapse video of Michelangelo you know, doing the, the David, for example, it starts with a big slab of marble. Okay? It takes time. You know, and and you've got to know when to stop, stop chiseling. <laughs> Otherwise, you, know, you ruin it. So that's, that's the secret. You take off as much as – start with a big slab of marble. Just put everything down on paper or everything on your computer file and start trimming, start editing, and, and know when to stop. And when it's ready to stop, that's, then, we, then we put it uh, out there and we start, uh, start lobbying on it. All right. So we got about 15 minutes left, so let me make sure we get through all the sections. Uh, but I think you're definitely on to something really good here. Okay. Um, section four is violating uh-huh. the oath of office, including transgressing the Constitution or other provisions laid out in 5 U.S.C. 7311, 5 U.S.C. 3331, Executive Order 10450, Article 1, Section 5 of the United States Constitution or any other jurisdictional bound in the U.S. Constitution will result in penalties described in 18 U.S.C. 1918, including the removal of office, confinement or fine, and losing eligibility to hold any government position in the United States. Now, what they had put in the U.S. Code was removal of office, confinement, or fee. And those are like the ors. And then Uh I put and losing eligibility to hold any government position in the United States. So they can have, like, one or all the other ones, like removal of office, confinement, or fee. But no matter what, you know, if, mm-hmm. they, um, if they do this violation at all, they will mm-hmm. lose eligibility to hold any government position. Well, that's already uh, in Article so 4, Section kind of 4. The, there's already precedent for that. Um, Article 4, Section yeah. 4 talks about the insurrection law. That's where and I got it from. <laughs> okay. All right. So, well, yeah. Well, it'll make sense. I mean, listen, hey, borrow from what's already there. I mean, precedent, you know, use it when you can. Um, so it says, United States shall guarantee every state a Republican form of government. Okay. Where does it say it? Is it section four? I just haven't read the whole thing yet. It's in there somewhere. did like a read through and then I wrote down like everything from the constitution that was going with this. So a lot of these things I didn't actually write here. Like 
On one vote, the Constitution allows Congress to impeach federal officials for bribery, high crimes, and misdemeanors. But I didn't write where in the Constitution it said that because, you know, I was just scribbling the notes. <laughs> okay. Well, and, and then you want to find it, too. And, and all those citations you have, article this, you know, section that, put those at the bottom of the bill. Just outline them so people can see them. Because the biggest problem I find in legislation is it says, and this is, I think they do this intentionally to confuse people, you know, uh, you know, this is, we'll say this, uh, and as covered by, you know, USC 28, section 358, you know, and they don't give you that section. So you have to go, okay, so you got to go look it up. And then you got to remember what that was. And you bring it back again. It's very confusing for people. And they do that intentionally. So anytime you cite something, you want to put it at the bottom of the bill. Uh, especially when you're repeating the same site. So people can go, oh, I know what that is. That's that section down here. And so people can relate it in their heads a lot faster. That's why our bills are going to be better than U.S. code. That's the way to do it. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I could definitely mm-hmm. start at the bottom. But also, you know, in, like, reading these, like, some of them, like, uh, 18 U.S. Code 1918, like, it's pretty lengthy. And the executive order, I mean, it's it's pretty long. And it lays out a, a lot. So in order to, like, describe what's being laid out there would probably take a lot more. You could or, do a descriptive sentence confusion. or just put, like, the main quote or the, or the, the main topic sentence or, the, you know, the main, the main sentence of what it covers. So you can, you can modify that as necessary. Put the whole document there. Yeah, but well, what you I could mean, also do. But within these, there's, a, like, multiple, like, there's, a, there's multiple things in here. And it, and it is, like, directly covering you know, everything okay. that's listed in here. But yeah, it's, too, it's multiple things. You can put links right in the bill as well. So, so this is all electronic. Remember what I was saying before that uh, we don't do paper. Oh, you know, so because So because it's smart. all electronic. But, well, thank you. I, I have my moments. <laughs> but put the link right in the bill. You know, and, or you can yeah. put it at the bottom. For further information, here's the link. Or just put the link right in the actual language of the bill, in parentheses or something like that. Um, and so because these are all electronic. I could link the words itself, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can do that. You can, wait, hey, listen, you're, you're clever. So figure it out. It's your bill. So, so put, a, put a way to get the link directly to these different sections. See, they don't do that uh, in, in the code. that Well, actually, sometimes they do. Um, you, the, the Cornell Law School does that. They'll have uh, Public Law 89554 at the bottom of this, Section 331. That's a link. Uh, um, then they've got the 80 Statute 424. That's a link. So by putting the link directly in the bill, people can go right to it. And so that'll help them uh, be able to see it. So, uh, yeah, just make links. Um, Ten minutes. <laughs> God, this hour's gone fast. <laughs> what else we got? <laughs> okay, I'm going to just, like, read straight through it. So part A is any removals will be decided through the provisions of Article 1, Section 2, and 3 of the United States Constitution, leaving these powers to the Congress of the United States. In case violations or transgressions, the impeachment process will be invoked by the United States Congress. Laws broken shall separately be tried under proper jurisdiction of the judiciary. And okay, that's a key section five. I like I like that sentence. Yeah, I, w- I would get rid of the first stuff and just keep that laws, you know, broken shall be tried by. Yeah, that uh, we need to pare your bill down a little bit. We need to make it simpler. So we need we need to take a chisel to it. Um, okay. I want to make it as straightforward as we can. Okay, keep keep going. What else? Section 5, failure to complete a review in accordance with the law in this law will result in halt in income or funds received by the government to the branch in delay and or those who are delaying the process. Payment shall resume 90 days after the previously delayed review is complete. If a delay is purposefully continued, 
those involved in the corruption or delay shall be immediately removed from office and barred from holding any government position in the United States. Okay, let's make these simpler. Uh, take your first sentence. What's the first sentence? Um, failure to complete review in accordance with the law will result in a halt in income or funds received by the government to the branch in delay and or those who are delaying the process. Good. Stop there. That's the section. Uh, I think you're putting too much process into it. And, you know, the 90 days procedures, Congress is going to add, subtract, the, the regulatory agencies are going to put that kind of stuff in. <clears throat> the Justice Department, if we actually have one, uh, they're going to add all that extra stuff in. So I think if you can make more of a guiding procedure in law, um, rather than the exact, well, not procedure, but, but guiding principle, rather than the exact specific procedures down to the last procedure, I think it'll be a lot easier to understand. It'll be shorter, it'll be punchier, and I think it'll be more readily acceptable, and, and Congress can always add that extra stuff later. So we don't do everything for them. Uh, what we want to do, in fact, you could even, you know, get this down set of five sections, hopefully two, maybe three. So what I'm looking at is, is basically a section that says, you know, section A, you know, the oath of office. Section B, binding government employees to the oath of office, okay? So that'd be like the next section. You can even put them all into that uh, and then have subsections below that. So, so, so let's see if we can make this simpler. Uh, it's good. I mean, yeah, because right now I probably have like nine sections, and that's way too much. Yeah, we need three. Break it down to three. <laughs> um, I'm serious. Yeah. Say, so, and, and but but, but don't gonna... think that you have to, and you haven't done anything wrong by by having nine sections. What you're doing is is fabulous. But what I want to do, and I do the same thing myself. Most of my bills are way longer when I start them than when I finish them. Yeah. Yeah, and you'll notice that as you write more bills, you'll notice you go, wait a minute, well, I don't need that. Take that section. I don't need that either. You know, you know that goes. And you just start, start getting rid of stuff. Yeah. Let me see what Pianchi said because I've, I've, I've had some of this covered up. First of all, he says you're right, which is true. Then he says Congress can't enforce the DOJ and courts um, do if they want to. Laws go unnoticed. Governors and presidents can veto laws. Uh, which then requires a whole new story. Constitutional amendments are solid. There we go. Federal service service, elected officials and political appointees cannot fire civil servants. Yeah, we got to work on that. So, so civil service can't be made uh, to take an oath. I don't think that's true because it says right here that they do take the oath. Because this is yeah. this covers anybody. So I think Pianchi's wrong there, but that's okay. Uh, it's, and when it, when it says civil service or uniformed services, that means civilian and military personnel take this oath. Yeah. I took this oath when I went to uh, serve in, in U.S. Customs. I don't know, same oath. But I was, you know, and this is before we were actually technically law enforcement. They, they became law enforcement later. So, but this is just a regular, just as an inspector. I mean, I had law enforcement powers, but, you know, anyway. Um, yeah, no, this is the oath that every government gonna, takes. So we just need to bind them to it. Yeah, I'm going to finish reading the rest of these little descriptions before I run out Go of for time. It. That's okay. Um, Go for it. So... Section six is that the review process of the United States and state Congress, so this is saying the United States Congress and then the individual states Congress, shall be mm -hmm. in accordance with these provisions. A, the review process for the United States Congress applies to all state and federal representatives and senators in the United States. Those subject mm -hmm. to state legislatures will be reviewed by the state legislature of their jurisdiction. Those subject to the United States Congress will be reviewed by the United States Congress. This review, so it's basically exactly what the um, Constitution lays out for impeachment process. Hmm. 
The review shall begin in the 10th month of October on the first weekday after the closing of any current process preceding it. The review process consists of presenting the file of each member of the legislature on the House floor followed by the files of each member of the Senate on the House floor. The order in which the files are read shall be alphabetical by last name. The file of representative or senator shall be read by the representative or senator whose file is listed after. The file of the last representative or senator shall be read by the representative or senator whose file was first presented. The file of each representative or senator shall be read aloud. Representatives shall call point of order if the file of representative being presented contains a viol violation or transgression listed within, and then I'll put the section in there, and that's where I kind of stopped it um, on this document. Now, the thing is, this is like the, um, I guess, nitty-gritty of it and stuff I'm not really sure about. And like the mm -hmm. very last one where it's um, like representatives shall call point of order if the file is represented being contained a violation or transgression. And the thing is, I don't know how, so this is where like one of those things where I'm asking you about this because I don't know exactly how it would work. Like, because basically all it is is like they'll be reading the actions and the policy decisions that they had made in accordance like with the government and stuff. And if everything's fine, it just goes through the next person, right? But then if something is like, and everybody has public access to it at all times, so people will have it like way beforehand mm -hmm. to um, know. But if something in it shows something that was like a violation of the Constitution or their oath and stuff, that then something would happen. But I don't know if I even need to put that in there at all or um, if I need to change it to something else because I don't exactly know how that works. Yeah. I would take out 90% of your procedural stuff. Uh, this report and this goes here and this is going to be this record. I would get rid of all of that um, because I right. think – and here's why. And like I said, I'm not, doing, I'm not saying you've done anything wrong. What you've done is brilliant. But what I'm saying is that mm -hmm. we, we, we have to think of this as regular people reading it, not lawyers. Uh, you, 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 you sound very lawyerly. And I don't mean that as an insult, but you, because you get extremely detailed, which is great. But I think citizen legislation, our philosophy is that anybody can read this. And they need to be easily enforced. So people need to be able to look at this and, and say to government employees, you know, people are going to bring this out in campaigns. Campaigns will help enforce this. Uh, candidates will enforce this against other candidates. Um, media people, if they actually start reporting the news, can report this kind of stuff. So there's, there's tremendous potential in this bill. But let's make it really simple and straightforward. That's why my vaccine bill says in two places, vaccine manufacturers shall be fully liable instead of vaccine manufacturers shall not be liable. And that's all I say. Shakespeare was right. Brevity is the source of wit or something like that. But anyway, you want to be as brief as you can. That's the hardest part about this is what not to say. So you want to take out all the procedural stuff. Okay. Let, let Congress make that up. Let, uh, a lot of this stuff is going to go to trial. If you're removing somebody, it's either going to be an impeachment trial within Congress or if someone's like, you know, high crimes, misdemeanors, bribery, things like that. Um, and then they include in that a failure of the oath of office. So the failure of the oath of, oath of office is really for those things that are wrong, that are not really, that don't come under, you know, high crimes, bribes, treason, things like that, but they're still wrong. And, and so because they're, they violate the oath of office. And so what we're trying to do is make this, so, so this is a, keep saying to yourself, how do I bind government employees to this oath? That's the fundamental question you're asking. And, and, Keep everything else out of it. Keep it filed somewhere because, you know, it might apply somewhere else. So, so that way you don't lose the work that you've done. But focus specifically on just one question. How do I bind federal employees to their oath? 
that's what you're trying to solve. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. With, like, with the review process as well, like, continuing this, I did it for different sections, and I, like, literally made it an entire chart, like a 10-year chart of how it would be just to make sure that, you know, there's, like, enough leniency in time. I'm not even joking. I, I kind of yeah, no, no, I, listen, you, you need to go for, like, a PhD but, in organizational psychology. I mean, this is what you're doing. It's really amazing. Um, <laughs> you know, when I get Jordan Peterson on the show, I'll have you talk to him because you guys would go, you'd go crazy with this kind of stuff. But, but the question is, in terms of legislation, is it necessary now? It's a great tactic. It's a great political uh, thing. It's something that might be very useful. I don't know. This, you know. All work is good work as far as I'm concerned. It's just a question of where it goes. So, uh, but I just focus on, on how do you bind employees? So you've got the oath of office, section one, you know, section two, binding government employees to the oath of office. I don't think you have to worry about the military people. They've got the uniform code of justice. They've got their own basically justice system. So they're not the ones that are violating yeah. the oath. The people that are violating the oath are the civil servants. So, so uh, you, uh, in another plan, you may want to, another bill, we might want to just get rid of civil service. And that would put everybody under this. So in other words, if, if there's civil service people, or, or you might want to say something like civil service is no exemption you know, to this law. You can, even if you have civil service protection, or you could say civil service protection does not cover violating your oath of office or oath of employment or something like that. So in other words, uh, yeah. So Pianchi says you bind employees to a certain behavior by way of personal policy, personnel policies, not laws. And I don't know. Uh, we, we, again, we're, we're in new territory. We're kind of exploring here. But since it does say in the U.S. code already, 5 U.S. Code Section 331, Oath of Office, uh, then we should have a section, you know, we should have a section 331A or B binding to the Oath of Office. And that's really what you're doing. Okay. What else is on your mind? We're just waiting for Josie at this point. I think we've pretty well covered exactly what we need. Nice job. We got it in an hour, too. We, we never do that. That's pretty cool. I don't see any notes from Josie on my, yeah. my phone here, so I guess she's going to be joining us here. And we'll find out. But we got like a free-for-all few minutes. So let me um, ask you my, my topic for the third hour. Or do you have another topic you want to bring up now that we have an extra time? Anything we should have talked about in weeks previously or anything on your mind right now? Nope, there she is. Josie's here. <laughs> See, I asked for a new topic, and guess what happened? <laughs> okay. Psych. Uh, so, yeah, let's um, – yeah, any, any final thoughts? And then uh, get your sign-off, and uh, like I say, hang around if you want to, but uh, I'll, I'll move on to Josie now. Thank you for your tremendous work. Let's, uh, yeah. let's give you another round, of, another round of applause here. Okay, your turn. Closing comment. Sign off. Uh, and this we'll get is Brianna Kin. Okay, oh, what? No, you were right. Go ahead. This is Brianna Cannon with Government Inquiry on Action Radio. Goodbye. Thank you, Brianna. We'll do it again next week. And let's get to Josie. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua, living under communism. Now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family, living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cossie knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. 
She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border from personal experience, living, not just reporting, what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Coffey. Buenos dias, chica. ¿Cómo está? Hey, good morning, ¿Qué pasa? Buenos morning. Buenos dias. Dobre utra to my Ukrainian friend mm. and uh, pastor in Ukraine. How are you? I was listening to you and Brianna. Um, sounds good, the uh, the bill she's writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't hear the whole thing, but I'll listen to it later, of course. I was taking care of the chickens. I'm in Pensacola, so I'm not in Milton right now. So bark, if bark. my phone rings, I'm going to have to mute for a minute. <laughs> bark, bark. Bark, bark. You know, sometimes the phone rings bark, bark, before bark, bark, 10 o'clock, you know. Bark, bark. Quack, quack, quack. You got chickens? They're so spoiled. Oh, those, no, chick- those chickens are spoiled. They're eating a lot of lettuce, sunflower seeds, watermelon. Yeah. Yeah, but you got to duck in there because I've seen the green eggs. I know you got to duck in the chicken coop. Yeah. No, no <laughs> duck. You sure? But we, ju- but we just we just order 50 baby chickens. Uh, those are 50? the types that you eat. Oh. They should be in the mail any day here. Yeah, so within six to eight weeks, they should be ready to eat. So I'll be uh, giving some to my friends, my daughter, put them in the freezer, you know. Yeah. Are, are you going to give them to us so, live, or are they going to be like, you know, freezer ready or no, refrigerator no. ready? No, no. Uh, you have a processor? One of my friends, uh, one of my friends from Honduras, she's going to just uh, wring their neck and just clean them for me. Okay. That's wonderful life skills that we I don't, we don't, we don't do have. That now. I did that when I was a child, but I, I don't think I can do that anymore. I'm really? sorry. What did you say? No, no, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. No, it's like those, those life skills that people used to have. People think nothing of going to the chicken coop, grabbing a chicken, and just going, you know, and, uh, okay, now it's dinner. So I don't, know. People, don't, yeah, people don't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. We're so, we're so clean and sanitary. No. And, and yet we'll mutilate our kids with sex changes, but we, don't, we can't uh, kill a chicken for dinner. Yep. It's a strange, strange world we live in. Um. It is. Yeah, I just want. Uh, and you know, since you were oh, since you were talking ahead. about sex change and all that, mm-hmm. whatever happened to that? Millions of people, uh, women's right, that they march in D.C. together with the mentally ill Madonna, uh, right after Trump won the election. What happened to those people that they were standing for women's right? Where are they? You know, what oh, I mean? the ones where, where, where the pink hat crowd. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, knowing what that supposedly represented. Yeah, um, there. I don't know. I mean, Madonna basically committed a felony when she said she wanted to blow up the White House. Yeah, that that is a felony. Yeah, that is a jailable offense. She should have been jailed by yeah. Trump. You know, yep. but he, but yep. uh, he, in those days, the, you know, they can't let that kind of stuff go. Um, whereas when you look mm-hmm. at, and then you look at the the Democrats with the January six folks, basically people who walked in with selfies. You know, who actually stayed within the, the, the ropes. Remember how they walked within the ropes for the most part? You know, yep. some insurrection, right? And those folks have been in jail for two years, yep. yet Madonna threatens to blow up the White House, which is an act of domestic terrorism uh, and assassination, uh, and she's fine. So we have a very interesting standard. Yeah. 
Um, a curious thing to bring on is Bill because we had uh, we had Lloyd Brunson on the show. Uh, he had, he brought a Supreme Court case, which I never thought was going to go anywhere, but I was interested in in what he wanted to do to try and, and bind mm-hmm. members of Congress to the oath of office and and various people in government. Mm-hmm. Now, Brianna's doing the same thing, but I think she's doing it a better way, which is with a statute that takes the, the, the section in U.S. law that has the oath of office, and we're going to add a section binding mm-hmm. all government employees to that oath of office. You know, in other words, if they, if they mm-hmm. uh, don't support the Constitution, if they uh, came into office with mental reservation or purpose of evasion, like Obama, who wanted to fundamentally transform our country from a, a republic to you know, a Muslim theocracy or whatever he wanted, um, mm-hmm. that, would be, yeah. that, would, that would be a disqualification. That would be a prosecutable, uh, I don't know if it's prosecuted or just removal from office. I don't think it's prosecutable because it's not a crime, um, but certainly removal from mm-hmm. office. You know, and, so, or, and we can take the, uh, the Supreme Court um, bad behavior clause and include that too. So that's, that's what she's working on. Um, but it's going to be an interesting bill. Yeah. So we're going to hear more about that as weeks go by. Uh, any thoughts, any more thoughts on that? Uh, and then we can move on to, uh, no, that's, that's, that's good. Uh, I'm glad she's writing a bill and we need more young people like her, like her yeah. that, uh, she's up today and she's standing for America. Mm-hmm. Instead, uh, a lot of our kids are being brainwashed to hate America. And uh, I'm I'm proud of this young girl, Brianna. You know because uh, well, that's why she's we on the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. just to let folks know, she's not on the show just because she's young and and she's got ideas. She's brilliant. No, I know. She's on she's the show. Pretty she's smart. on the show because she earned it. <laughs> you know. And so uh, it, yeah. it's not a special favor. I mean, I'd rather, I'd love to have more young folks on the show, but uh, but they have the, but yeah. the same standards as everybody else. You know, you've got to bring something to the table. You've got to bring something unique and interesting mm-hmm. um, that's going on here. Um, I sent you a couple of articles on El Salvador, and I found a new Central American news source because I saw a report on One American News I, about how crime, crime in El Salvador yeah. has dropped dramatically. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to read that, but do you have any news? Do you have any news uh, on El Salvador? Not. Okay. Maybe next week. No, but I talked to people from El Salvador, and they're very, very pleased. Some mm-hmm. other countries, like some of the people from Chile, they're – they're criticizing that this is a dictator guy. They're, they're full of baloney because well, you know what? Trump too. <laughs> they don't want to see this country prosper, and they don't want to see this country uh, better. Because uh, mm-hmm. in El Salvador, uh, there was a lot of these uh, criminals, MS-13 and cartels, uh, blackmailing your business. Uh, everyone, including people right. on the street, selling little stuff. So it's been going on for years, and people been fleeing uh, the country. But I, I, I know a few people that have gone back, like you asked me before to find out. Uh-huh. But I don't think everybody's leaving now. Everybody's waiting a few years to make money to build their own little home. Like I know this young girl, single girl with a baby. Right. The baby's born here. Uh, she applied for political asylum, but I don't know if she's going to qualify or not. They're going through the paperwork. So uh, but does the baby have an American parent, or is this an, an illegal birthright American? Uh, the baby has an American dad, and he okay, dumped good. her, so I don't know what's going to happen. But, but, that, but she still gets American that, citizenship if the father is an American citizen. That's how citizenship transfers. Mm-hmm. But if, it, if, if she was a, 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 like a single unmarried parent uh, and she is not an American citizen, then the, then the child would not be entitled under, under the 14th Amendment to American mm-hmm. citizenship, even though it's granted any time a kid is born in American dirt, you know, they're, they're given fraud. I would, I would call it fraud citizenship. 
So one of the biggest things that's mm-hmm. going to be a challenge for Trump is to not only stop fraud citizenship like he wants to, but go back mm-hmm. and, and revoke yeah. a lot of fraud citizenships. And that means all the birth tourism, mm-hmm. all the people that came here specifically, you know, all the illegal aliens. And then we're talking millions of people. This is going to be huge. But millions of people need to have their fraud citizenship corrected back to their country, their, their proper yeah. country. Uh, and that includes all the people brought in by chain migration. All their status has to be changed. This is going to be huge. Now, that doesn't mean we're yeah. going to, be, you know, doesn't mean we're going to be locking them all up and sending them all to different places. But what it means is we've got to stop this crime and we have to go back at least to the Clinton administration. You know, back yeah. to the 90s. And I would, right. I would use like 19, 1992 as a benchmark would be a good place to start it because that's when the border really started opening up. Mm-hmm. So if you take from 1992 yeah. on, everybody who came in after 1992, and that would include all the, all the DACA illegals, you know, they're now adults and all these folks, they all need to have oh, uh, yeah. their, their status changed to uh, their kids need to, have, need to have corrected citizenship instead of fraud citizenship. It needs to be corrected to their parents' citizenship mm-hmm. all the way down the line. And, and their status, we need, yeah. we need to almost have a new status, uh, almost like indeterminate status or, or, stati- or, or transit status. So in other words, your, your status is transit. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're in, you're, you're in yeah. transit status. You're in transit between the United States and your home country or, or some other place that we put you, but you can't be a citizen. And that's the only way we're going to yeah. stop this crime. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like that in transit, yeah. in transit status. I'm going to have to uh, make a little note In there. transit, okay. I like it too. Yeah. I, I just I, I literally make this stuff up as we go. So in transit status. <laughs> so that's, that's good you know, when, put, when you just think about it on the spot and you write it down. Oh, yeah. Well, it's on my third one today. I'm going to keep doing this all the time. So we'll call it correcting fraud citizenship. So that's my other one, correcting fraud citizenship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if there are any hospitals that are actually hey. doing that. So, oh, no. Sorry, you're, you're an illegal alien, therefore we're not going to put U.S. citizen on your birth certificate. <laughs> that would be nice to know mm-hmm. if any hospitals are actually doing that. Well, I hmm. think that a lot of the mm-hmm. hospitals in America are in it with the criminals. They're getting a lot of kickbacks, a lot of money to be part of the fraud, to put um, – there was, a, there was a, a friend of uh, Marisol from Colombia in New York City, uh-huh. Christian man, that he was working in New York during the COVID. Uh, situation uh, and uh, he was a, like a security guard and then from security guard they brought him in to start uh, writing up a lot of the dead people in New York City and uh, and putting in their chart that he died from COVID lying and this this uh, man he quit he said no I'm not going to do that they didn't die from COVID the right. people that, that did not die from COVID and uh, he moved uh, to Florida, actually. But uh, it's just sad. Uh, I was talking to a lady yesterday, actually. She She's upset because she said, they put on my husband's charge that he died from COVID, and he didn't die from COVID. And I said, well, you better get the copies of his uh, record, medical record. Get copies right now and take some action later. Huh. So you hear it all the time. And one of my friends from uh, Sumba, her one of the best friend, young men in the family in Miami just died. And, you know, it's, every day you're hearing people dying. I mean, uh, another lady in Sunday school class, she says uh, so-and-so died and the, the husband collapsed, died from broken heart. So they got two deaths. 
instead of one. Broken heart. A broken heart because somebody else died, or or is it really a COVID shot? Yeah. They're calling a broken yes. heart. Yeah. Broken heart. Huh. No, but you know, Greg, uh, when I used to go to the abortion clinic, an older couple, I think I shared with you a couple yep. years. Uh, mm-hmm. This happened like four or five years ago now. Uh, this 23-year-old uh, Joseph Kane, beautiful young man. He almost looked like a model, so beautiful. Uh, right. He went in his kayak and his dog, and you probably read the story, and within half an hour he vanished, gone. And then in four months they were doing a funeral, and I thought, no, he's alive. He he was taken away I'm, because that's what's happening to young men too. It doesn't have to be a little kid. Uh, yep. to to be traffic, you know, it happens uh, to anybody. Uh, one of the ladies from my church, yeah. uh, she just moved to another state. Uh, she they started trafficking her at 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she's a mess. She has a lot of mental issues right now. She starts crying, thinking about what they were doing. Uh, a team from uh, Argentina at Mm-hmm. Uh, took her and they were trafficking her for like five years, all day long. She says it was all day long, like the movie. Did you go see the movie yet? No, uh, I, I I know what the movie is all about, so it's not like I have to see it. You know, people had this. Uh, you yeah. know, I mean, if you want to see it, go see it. I'm not gonna you know say anything, but just for me, it's like yeah, I don't I need to watch. It, you know, when there's like a mass shooting, I usually don't watch those reports. I know what happens. I don't need to see the press mm-hmm. conferences. I don't need the pictures. I don't need the know. you know. The, yeah. You know what happens, okay? I don't need to see that. I don't need to, uh, you know, watch pictures of people being tortured in prison. You know what torture looks like, okay? I know, mm-hmm. you know, and so, so the see, yes, I know it exists, but we've been talking about it for years here. You know, so it's, it's yeah. not like the, it's not like we're new to the party. The people that need to see it are those that mm-hmm. have no idea. Um, but I want to get some mention something yeah. you mentioned earlier about uh, the jabs and all the people dying from it. There's a new uh, Mercola study, and this is in our our vaccine uh, actual radio vaccine project, which is private. Uh, for obvious reasons that we don't want mm-hmm. to be canceled by all the leftists. Uh, so it's very hard to get in the group. I know. That's, that, that's the one I really scrutinize. So if I don't know you personally, you're probably not going to be in the group. Um, but uh, there's a study that just came mm-hmm. out from Mercola, Dr. Mercola. 74% of post-jab uh-huh. deaths are caused by the shot. So there was a British, uh, there's a British newspaper called The Lancet, which is equivalent to our New England Journal of Medicine. It's very, very hoity-toity. It's, it's the, the Lancet is the, the authority of, of British medicine. Anyway, so they came up with a study that basically 75 or three quarters of the people uh, that died after the COVID shot died because of the COVID shot. And that study was immediately taken mm. down. It was a preprint. They got rid of it. But it's right, you know, they've got it. So when stuff appears online, people immediately mm. capture it because chances are it's going to be gone. And so, yeah. uh, you know, oh, here we go. It says the act, uh, here's a quote from, uh, I think this is Peter McCullough. This act of medical censorship, in other words, removing this report, occurred after the paper met all the criteria for listing on the Lancet preprint server. In other words, they followed proper medical, you know, survey uh, study procedures, right? Mm-hmm. So it was the Lancet preprint. So it wasn't, it wasn't printed in the Lancet yet. It was preprint. And it appears to be triggered. Uh, the, the censorship appears to be triggered by very heavy worldwide interest and rapid downloading of the paper. So in other words, because it caught the attention of people worldwide, that 75, three-quarters of the people... Who, who died, you know, after the COVID shot, died because of the COVID shot. That was the, that was the immediate cause. Yes. Uh, that apparently was, now that's not news to you or me. We knew this was going on. Um, but, what it, mm-hmm. but, it's, but the fact that it's documented 
uh, and it goes against the, 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 the traditional, uh, you know, the, the, the lie message. Then it says, this speaks to the importance of our findings as the largest summary of autopsies after COVID-19 vaccination. Elvsvier, I don't know who that is, and Lancet, which is the magazine, are trying to suppress critical scientific observations on COVID-19 vaccine safety. Their actions are reprehensible. And the quote is from Dr. Peter McCullough, who has been on the show. And mm-hmm. so he's confirming this, mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, that uh, they said oh, 74%, which is almost 75%, um, of vaccine-related deaths mm-hmm. um, are because of the vaccine, or, or deaths after the vaccine are because of the vaccine. Well, that's huge. Three quarters? There shouldn't be it any. <laughs> there shouldn't be any deaths because of the COVID shot. If it was safe and effective, there wouldn't be any deaths. The fact that there are deaths because of the COVID shot means it's not safe. We doesn't, you know, if I, anything, it, it gives COVID, so it's certainly not effective either. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I think uh, Pfizer's uh-huh. paying, forgot, I forgot how much it is, $2.5 million or billion, I'm not sure, a million dollars in, uh-huh. uh, in vaccine injury. But that's nothing because they have made so much money, and they're continuing making it because they haven't stopped this killing. I, I just, I just get upset because... They should have stopped this killing a long time ago because, like you just said, if, yep. if, if, if any shooting kills three or four people, they want to take your guns away. If right. any vaccine or, or any med that they, they kill two or three, four people, they, they stop and they do research and all that. But this is, this is an agenda. This is mm-hmm. an agenda to wipe out half of the more probably more than half of the world. I'm not sure if it's half or more. But this See, is kind I don't of know if it's... that they've been programmed a long time ago. Yeah. See, mm-hmm. I, the only reason I, I dispute the population thing is that uh, if there are more people, then they can sell more vaccines. So I'm not sure yeah. that they want to eliminate or get the population down to like 1 billion people. Let's just say that, for example, because that would mean 9 billion people they can't sell vaccines to. So if you're, if you're into the profit motive, which I think they are, I don't think they're into the, uh, the reduction of population. I think. I you know, think, is, I don't know. They I want to change the population. When I go to sleep, uh-huh. you know, I, I stay awake a little bit, and I'm thinking, I believe what their plan is to wipe out half of the world, and they are making, if you notice, they're making a lot of babies now uh, with people for, like DNA. They've been stealing DNA from the test covid from babies being born in a hospital, that they take your uh, DNA from your foot. Uh, these people, they have a different agenda, a different plan, like the Hunger Game movie. These people put everything in the movies for us to see, but we don't believe. <laughs> we just think it's a movie. Yeah. You know? No, I know what you mean. And, yeah. And the sum Be of vendetta. all fear. Somebody mm-hmm. was saying. You, Somebody was saying you need to see the sum of all fear of the movie, so I'm going to have to try to find it. I just found oh, out that's, yesterday. That's, uh, that's an old Tom Clancy. Right yeah, that's an old Tom Clancy yeah. uh, novel, Harrison Ford. So that's about 20 mm-hmm. years old. Yeah, that's well, still worth watching. Yeah. 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 Uh, they were talking about it. You need to watch that movie and pay close attention because these criminals are very patient. They take years and years and years to plan their killings. And it's just, I just cannot believe. Well, no, the best, is, the best movie if you want to watch is V for Vendetta. V for Vendetta is the film you want to see. Mm-hmm. That's uh, mm-hmm. Natalie Portman and the, the British guy that uh, 
played Mr. Anderson, mm-hmm. you know, the, the deep voice guy, you know, in, uh, in the matrix, oh, yeah, yeah, you, know, yeah. with, you know, with the glasses, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh-huh. uh, talking to Neo, I forgot the guy that was fighting Neo and he talked like uh-huh. this, he was that deep voice person. Anyway, so that's the same guy who's in, uh, in, um, yeah. uh, to my radio voice. It's kind of funny. Um, in V for Vendetta, but V for Vendetta is about a government using, uh, a virus like COVID, you know, to control the population mm-hmm. and instill fear in people and make them, I don't know if they had a vaccine involved or not, but basically used a, a disease to control people with fear and send the government, only the government yeah. can save you. But in saving you, we have to completely restrain you. Um, I wrote an article last night, actually, uh, the, covering some of this misinformation, you know, on how all these, these government mm-hmm. people are psychopaths. Because they, uh, they, they think they can control information. Well, the only way they can do that is if they believe they're absolutely right. Well, nobody's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Nobody's right all the time. And, th- and they're, they're actual psychopaths that are, that are controlling our information because they believe they're right. Mm-hmm. And they believe that uh, in controlling information, they can make us safe. Well, if, if they control information, then they have to control people. And in controlling people, they make us safe. Yeah. So it, it just, and I extended this mm-hmm. all the way. It's like Orwell. It's like if Orwell were alive today, uh, using uh, computer technology, this is kind of in his, you know, theme area. So you might find that interesting. Uh, get a chance to read my latest mm-hmm. Substack on uh, the government is always right. <laughs> you know, government can't be wrong. Otherwise, mm-hmm. all the, they can't control information. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. Anyway, um, yeah. So what else is going on? Crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I didn't really write a report last night. I fell asleep, to be honest with you. That's okay. Well, I, I got plenty of questions. You know, I had lots a whole of stuff list to talk about. things to do, and I was yeah. I woke up at three thirty in the morning and hit the bed. <laughs> well, well we, we always talk about something. So. As someone who wakes up at four o'clock in the morning, you know, I mean, I've, I've already been awake, you know, for a bunch of hours. So by the time by the time noon comes around, I've already, I've already four? four, yeah, every day. Well, I want I want to be wide awake yeah, for the show. Right. You know, I can't just wake up five minutes before show time yeah, and yeah. go. Oh, action radio. <laughs> That'd be pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm home. What are we gonna talk about today? Yeah, action radio. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm I'm awake really. I like getting up early. Yeah, I know. I like getting up early, yeah. and I like staying up late. That's my problem. It's the afternoons that I don't care about. So I'm you know usually asleep. Yeah. Do you but, take uh, naps? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, after the show, I'm oh, I'm no, just drained. You know, you, you do a three hour show. You know, I'm, I'm exhausted by the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, so I just have yeah, uh, dinner. That will put me to sleep know. more. Yeah. Naps. Yeah. But that's you that's get used sleep. to when you're in uh, South America, you take naps, you know? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a big mm-hmm. siesta fan. Yeah, absolutely. You, yeah. you take a siesta. I do. I take a siesta <laughs> in El Salvador. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, no, they, they don't do siestas okay. in uh, in Central America. This is uh, South America, Spain, Portugal, Uruguay, Paraguay. Venezuela, those South The America. hot places. It's the hot and, places. In like Spain. Yeah, uh-huh. they take siesta, but not in Central America. People are too busy working, I guess. Oh, that's yeah, we didn't know nothing yeah. about siesta. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> when I was like, what? I yeah, arrived in no. Chile and so said, we're taking a siesta. I said, what the heck is that? I'm not old. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, I, I remember in Rome, it was fascinating when I got to Rome. Uh, and I got there Easter Sunday morning. This is back in 1982 when uh, John Paul was the Pope. It was a bad, it was the wrong time to get to mm-hmm. to uh, to Rome because all, all the guest houses were packed and I had trouble finding a place to stay. But I managed to find one. I, I actually stood in the middle of the street and screamed, I need a place to stay. I'm American. I'm new here. 
little kid comes up and grabs my pant leg and, <laughs> you know, says, you know, follow me, you know, so, okay. And then that's uh-huh. how I found it. So I ended up in a room with like 10 guys. <laughs> boarding house room. Like, okay. Hey, listen, it's bad. I'm good. I can handle it. So I took my valuables with me and off I went. And so then I went to uh, the Vatican and went to Easter Sunday service. So that was pretty cool. Anyway, that's me. (laughs) Timing is not always my specialty. Yeah. Yeah. But the point is that uh, in Rome, um, they're awake early, six, seven o'clock in the morning. You know, you're up having your cappuccino uh, or your espresso. uh, And then by noon, everybody's asleep. And then they, they open it up again at five until about midnight. (laughs) It's kind of weird. So they sleep from, from, from midnight Uh till about, five uh and then they get up and do stuff then they go sleep from like noon until about five so they like sleep twice a day you know and then they, they, they four the o'clock. you go into work about four thirty or five and get out yeah. until nine thirty. yeah yeah and, in, fact, uh, in spain uh-huh yeah in spain uh nine ten o'clock at night the sun is out so it's yeah. like it's weird yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. They're still and the the, the cafes and everything else in Rome was was going to like ten, eleven o'clock at night on the weekdays. I said, Don't you people work? No, mm-hmm. we take a siesta, man. We're okay. Well, okay, fine. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Hey, <laughs> no, let's, no, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's talk about Ukraine for a bit because there's a really good video by Colonel Doug McGregor, who is one of my favorite people that I've ever had on the show, and he's talking uh-huh. about uh, the the reason that we have a war in Ukraine right now. Is because the West, in other words, you know, the, the federal government, not not Brandon, because Brandon's an idiot, but uh, the, the powers behind him. And I, and I put a Facebook post that our country is being destroyed by morons out in in public office and psychopaths behind the scenes, and, and GOP geldings who won't do anything about it. So this war is pretty much this mm-hmm. war would not exist if we had not given Ukraine billions of dollars. And now the, they want to either they're on their way, cluster bombs, F sixteen s. This war can't be won. Why would you? This is Vietnam. This is Vietnam all over again. It's it's designed to make people rich. It's designed to, uh, you know, keep a war going at the expense of the people. I mean, the the neocons they don't care how many Ukrainians are killed. They don't care how many Russians are killed. Mm-hmm. All they care is how many weapons that the government can send over there that they can now say, oh, we need more weapons. We need more more money. Let's build more. You know, they, all, all they care about is how much money they can make off this war. It's really sick. Mm-hmm. But they can't be won. True. You know, and and Putin. You know, everybody hates him, but quite frankly, he said very clearly, he says, if you just don't, don't put Ukraine in NATO, we're good. I don't need to go in there. Let's have a negotiated settlement over these territories. And McGregor explained it very clearly. Well, it's really interesting. Yeah. So what McGregor said but if you, was, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, because you, you talk to people. About it, yeah. Yeah. I'm on the phone all the time. Actually, I was on the phone last night with Ukraine. Um, if you... If you think about it, um, mm-hmm. why would Trump say in a lot of his rally that he can stop this war within 24 hours? You know, oh, why? He because he's in charge. He's in yeah. control. Huh? Well, what's he going to do? What do you think yeah. he's going to do? What do you think he's going to do? Because he's working because he's working together with Putin. And later on, people, you people are going to find out mm-hmm. that I'm telling no. you the truth. He's working. He's working with Putin. They already rescued like 50,000 kids from underground, the child trafficking in the Ukraine. Yes. Well, I believe that. And that's, the reason that's not how he's going to stop the war. That's not how he's going to stop the war, though. How is he going to yeah, stop the war in 24 hours? Yes. How? Yes, how? he can. He how? can. How? Because he's in control of it. No, no, give me a, give me a, no, give me, no, 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 no. Let's be, this, this is actually very simple. How can, how can Trump stop the war in Ukraine in 24 hours? Well, the, 
the reason I just said he's in charge of the war going on in the Ukraine with Putin. They're destroying the bioweapon labs. They're trying to wipe out all the neo-Nazis in, in Ukraine. There are governments been paying billions of dollars to Zelensky, which is the criminal leader, uh, being run by like a puppet by Obama and George Soros and Bill Gates and the Bidens. It's been going on for a while, and uh, it's it's all going to come out to the light. Uh, we just have to be patient, and I know I say that all the time. Yeah, but you do. That's why Donald, <laughs> Donald Trump is something. in charge. Okay, all right. Now let me let me make this really really straightforward and simple. What Trump is going to do? The first thing he's going to do is he's going to cut off all the money to Ukraine, all of it. It's going to be canceled. All the spending will be canceled. He's going to cut off all the arms. Yeah. To Ukraine. Wait a minute. Let me finish this because this is this is really simple. This is how you do it. He's going to take all the arms that are there and recall them. He's going to take all the soldiers that are there and recall them. He's going to probably take a lot of our soldiers from NATO and bring them back too. He's going to cut the NATO budget or, or take us out of NATO completely. And he's going to say, "This is your problem now, Europe. You solve it." And he's going to force a negotiation. Um, between Eastern Europe, Western Europe, and Russia. They're going to have to work it out for themselves. But he's going to have absolutely no involvement in the United States. That's how it stops in 24 hours. He's basically, the only reason that Ukraine is fighting is because they have U.S. money and, and U.S. guns and ammo and missiles and artillery and you know, all that kind of stuff. That's, the, that's all they've got. They don't have an army. Apparently, this is why the McGregor video, it's on, my, it's on my public Facebook page, folks, if anybody wants to take a look. But yeah, that's why I've that video is so valuable. Yeah, but what, he, what, he expl- what McGregor mm-hmm. explains is that Lenin caused a lot of these problems because he put ethnic Russians in Ukraine so that Ukraine wasn't a country of Ukrainians mm-hmm. anymore. All right? So he brought these Russians in. So that's what, uh, that's what Lenin did. He put Russians all over the place so there were no pure populations anymore so the country would not rise up against them. So the Georgians are part Russian. The Kazakhstanis are part Russian. The uh, um, Uzbekis are part Russian. So, so the, he basically screwed around with everybody's map everybody's country. So there were no pure countries anymore. That's mm-hmm. what Lenin did. Stalin killed all the Ukrainian farmers because he, because to him, any independent farmer, in other words, anybody with a plot of land who could grow their own food was again, was counter-revolutionary. So Stalin said, there's no independent farmers. So Stalin starved seven to 9 million Ukrainians. That's why they hate Russia. So then the Russians moved in a bunch of people that are Russian into Ukraine, which the Ukrainians hate. The Ukrainians, you know, also really Ukrainians hate the Nazis who came in, uh, except for those that became Nazis. So you got people that became Nazis in eastern Ukraine. You got people that became Russian communists in western Ukraine. You got the Dnieper River in the middle, and you got Kiev, which nobody seems to be able to pronounce anymore, uh, as the capital. And you've got all these different factions. So you got two different factions. You got an east and a west, uh, like we used to have a north and a south. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And so, but the thing yeah. is, the only but the the Ukrainian army has been defeated, you know, twice already. It's been it's been totally obliterated twice. Most of the people in Ukraine are yeah, men Ukraine, who are in the yeah. army, but the women are gone. The women and kids yeah, are yeah. gone. They're all refugees. They've moved out. There's nobody left. There is no yeah, country left. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot of the families that I personally know and I'm in touch. A lot of them are in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them are in other countries. A lot of them have moved to North Carolina here. They're here, mm-hmm. uh, and there's still a lot of the people that I know because you know it's. A, Big are they going back from the church that I go every? Are they going back? Uh, no, they're not going. Not yet. Uh, hmm. But a lot of them, they love Zelensky, and they're blaming only Putin. 
but see, they don't want to hear the truth, like a lot of people. It's not Putin the bad guy at this time. It's mm-hmm. not, and you're going to find out later. Putin mm-hmm. is reserving 11 bioweapon uh, labs in the Ukraine to show the world what's really been going on uh, in the Ukraine for years with the Democrats and some Republicans like Romney, uh, John Kerry, Pelosi, all, all these people. Well, Pelosi's a Democrat. But all these people have been up to no good, including our State Department and Pentagon. Mm-hmm. They all well, have been in it. Our State Department's mm-hmm. a bunch of communists. So, they, they're, they're, they're the ones that put Mao Zedong in charge of China instead of Chiang Kai-shek. That's what caused yeah. the Korean War and the Vietnam War. So you can thank the State Department for those yeah. two wars. You can thank the, the Bushes for both Gulf Wars in Iraq, which never had to be fought. You can thank Obama for keeping mm-hmm. the Afghanistan war going for no reason for eight years. Uh, yeah. And you can thank uh, – and, and Trump should have stopped that. He should have pulled everybody out of Afghanistan as soon as, she, as soon as he took office. There was no war there. Mm-hmm. There was just – there was nation building. There was, there was spending money. The whole purpose of Afghanistan and Iraq mm-hmm. was to spend money. The purpose of all these wars is to spend, spend money. The purpose of Ukraine is to spend money. They don't care who gets killed. They just want mm-hmm. to, they just want the government to spend money. No. They want our tax dollars. So the way you stop the war in, they in, want in our Ukraine money. is you cut off the money. That's how you stop it. Because Ukraine has no army. Well, that's what, that's what Trump is going to do. Yeah. Yeah, but you're talking about all this bioweapon stuff and child the- traffic and things like that. You, you, you want to focus on the essential. And the essential is he's going to cut off the money of the war. He's going to stop mm-hmm. the war. So then what he's going to say is, okay, so Ukraine, you have no army. You have no means of defending yourself. There's nothing. So this idea of winning the Ukraine war is just a complete and total lie. Ukraine is not going to win. They are not going to defeat Russia. Anybody that thinks that Ukraine is going to defeat Russia is irrational. It needs to be in a padded mm-hmm. cell somewhere. Ukraine is not going to defeat Russia. Well, They're not. Well, Russia, Russia is sick and tired of uh, being threatened by all these bioweapon uh, labs. Some of them are like two hours or an hour away from Russia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like they're being threatened all the time. And uh, you cannot live like that. And a lot of the children that they rescued, they were Russian children, a lot of American kids, uh, people from all over the world. Uh, we're going to find yeah, this he... pile that, that Putin has already in his hands uh, protecting right now about 50,000 children. Yeah, but people uh, don't so go to war over that. Movie, that, that. That's not what, what the war is based on. You know, Putin's worried about the well, United States trying to overthrow him. That's the, the real thing that's going on is the, the reason that the Ukraine war is a way for the Western neocons, the neoconservatives, the irrational idiot, the war class, the permanent war class, they think they can overthrow Putin. They think they can uh, destroy Russia. They think that, and McGregor was saying well, this is interesting, that, that they can break up Russia into a bunch of little territories and uh, get all their resources. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. That's delusional. Yeah. So the whole Ukraine war is delusional. They want... And Trump knows this. Well, He's the, the only Biden... person that does know it. The Bidens and the Clintons, they want to get rid of Putin desperately. Why? Because Putin has Why? all the evidence of all... Huh? Okay, Why? so here's the evidence. Because yeah, all right. Because he, he's going to present all the evidence of all the child trafficking, uh, uh, gun trafficking, uh, bioweapons. Why is it uh, done already? Everything that they've been, Huh? 
Why hasn't he done it already? Why hasn't he gone I to the want- UN with all his evidence and said, look, this is what, you know, you're supporting people, this is what they're doing? The UN, the UN is the most corrupt thing you can ever think about. No, but he, 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 can still use no. That, he can still use that forum. Why hasn't he called a worldwide press conference? Why hasn't he uh, made a documentary? I mean, because- there's so many things he can do. That he's not doing. Why? Not if he's yet. got all this evidence, okay, but not yet. He yeah. Does. Okay. He does. So why why isn't he presenting it? This is the part I don't understand. Because it's not the time. This is not the right time. It's it's well, coming. There is no there is and no better has, time. There is no good time. How can this not be the right that's time? According to you, according to you, Greg. But according well, to them, they the already question. have well, according, a purpose and a plan. Yeah. See, I don't believe it. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think this is. I don't think this all coordinated plan between Trump and Putin. I think they're all operating independently because they have different interests. Trump wants to run the United States, and and make our country great again. He wants to stop this war. Putin wants to, uh, you know, make Russia great again. So you got two very interesting people. They both want to make their countries great again. Well, of course you want to make your country great again. Won't you? Yeah, but That's our government doesn't want to. Our, to our, our government. Plan. Our government wants to destroy destroy our country. That's why the. That's why they because took they uh, the, the person. Right, exactly. Now, that's a different thing. See, Putin loves his country. He wants Russia to be great. Trump loves our country. Exactly. He wants our country to be great. Okay? But the Congress, yep. the Democrats and Republicans, they don't love our country. They love well, power. And they love, the, they love the world government. There's a lot of bad Republicans, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they love the world yeah. government. Yeah. Did you see, I'm going to talk about well, this in the next hour, but did you see any of the Tucker Carlson interviews? No, I haven't. With Trump, you mean? No, with Vivek oh, no. Swamy, with uh, Ron DeSantis, with uh, Nikki Haley, no, Asa Hutchinson, uh, Tim Scott, and Mike Pence. I watched them all. I, I've seen I've been, the last couple of days. I've been really? watching them all. Good. Oh, yeah. Oh, it is. St- I'll, I'll tell you at the top of the hour that. But uh, the, some of those campaigns are over. Sure, they're done. <laughs> this is so funny. But it's all a show right now, and we know about mm-hmm. it. Um it's all a show. This is all well organized by Trump. Ron DeSantis, his friends, uh, all the Republicans running, including Mike Sola, show because they know Donald Trump is going to come back in power. The election has to be fixed, uh, the 2020, before we move forward with a 2024 election. There's not going right. to be no 2024 well, election at all. Well, let me ask you this. No. If you're Mike Pence, if you're Mike Pence and you basically – through the election to the Democrats against Trump, your president, how, how, where, where, is no. he, where, where does he stand now? Yeah, he did. No. He threw, he threw the election. That's Oh. Mm-mm. No. Oh, there's new evidence? What's with the new not. evidence? No, because I already told you before, uh, Nancy Pelosi and all of them, they had a plan to get him out, that the, the building was being... Uh, uh, taken over by the Trump supporter, which is not true. So they rushed him to get out, and once he got out, she was in charge. Mike Pence did not do that. So it's it's a little bit hard. Last night I was watching Truth on RTV, and he was explaining step by step, and I was going to write it all down, and I just fell asleep. <laughs> see, I'll have it for you next week. I so know. Who's this guy? It's so who's, good. Who's, who's your source? Like TV. He's a uh, uh, ex-Marine, Dr. Uh, Bernie, he's our friend. And he's very close friend with Dave from X-22 uh, Report. So, yeah. So what's happening, it's it's a little deep. Um, 
I can send you the video, but you don't like to see videos, though. I mean, well, I don't have time to watch many. Oh, no. I do some. I just see some of them. But uh, is that the same guy I've seen, mm-hmm. seen before? He's kind of uh, older guy, about sixty something. He's got a bit of a belly. Yeah, and he, yeah. He talks yeah. about we're, how he was in yeah, the Marines, and yeah. I call okay, him I, don't all be, the time. I don't believe a word. I, I don't believe a word yeah. he says. No, I think he's totally full of it. I think it's absolute nonsense. Uh, I think he's lying. Why? You don't even I know think he's got. Well, I've, I've watched his videos. I actually did no. watch a couple of ones you sent Truth me. Truth and oh, Art yeah. TV? Mm-hmm. Well, I, no, I can double check. It's called Truth and Art he TV. How do you spell it? Truth, truth yeah, but nothing. Like truth. Truth, truth and Art. And Art. Truth A-R-T? and Art. A-R-T, truth and Art TV. He comes at uh, 7 o'clock, our uh, time here. Uh, I have to catch a video. No. What's his name again? Truth and Art TV. No, what's his name? And his name is Bernie Suarez. V E R N. Last name. Suarez. Bernie. Mm-hmm. Bernie or Bernie? Bernie. Mm-hmm. Bernie with a B as a burro. <laughs> so Bernie, Bernie. What's it, how do you spell the last name? Suarez. S U R A. See, depends. Some people spell it different. Suarez. Suarez. Okay, Bernie Suarez. All right, I'll go take a look. All right. But mm-hmm. I remember seeing some videos. Some and, but, none of, but none of these predictions have come true. None of them. He hasn't predicted anything. He translates he translate what Q puts on, <laughs> and he puts a lot of stories what's going on uh, uh, in the country, uh, like the train derail. Yes. It does happen once in a while, but not all of a sudden like it's happening now. Well, These we just people had are planning one. something big. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. See, here's here's the problem I have so, is that the amount of planning and coordination that's required between these different countries, these different people, these different agencies, and everything else mm-hmm. with Trump, it's it's impossible because people are not that good. They're not that organized. They're not that capable. Most people are idiots. And, and so to actually put a huge well, operation together is incredibly difficult. The last really big operation was the D-Day invasion. And many, many aspects of that went horribly wrong. It worked because we had overwhelming mm-hmm. numbers, but a lot of it went bad. The, the, the parachuters landed in the wrong place. The, uh, the beaches, the, the fire didn't suppress the, the machine guns on the beaches. You know, the hedgerows totally screwed mm-hmm. up the, the tanks. You know, the amazing amount of things went wrong. It worked because we had overwhelming people, but an awful lot of people died. Mm-hmm. Who, if it was well organized, really well organized, probably wouldn't have, you know. But uh, well, yeah. so that's why I'm, I'm suspicious of organized I, plans because most most plans don't work because people aren't that good. But they do work. Look at look at these criminals with COVID shot. They've been planning this fifty something year. I did not know. I thought I thought it was only twenty. No, no it's about fifty-four. No. Yeah. So why didn't they do yeah, it with SARS-CoV one? Why did they wait? Why, why did they wait for SARS-CoV two then? Why they wait so long? I don't know. I don't well, have why, an answer. But this that, is what I'm but... question. If you're a greedy, if you're a greedy fascist like Doctor Fascist, where you're, where you have no humanity, where you're a total psychopath, where all you want is money and power, you know, you're, you'd be the perfect Nazi. Okay, if you're that I person, I think it's money. I think it's power and control. Well, no, but he made a lot of money. But he made a lot of money though. Yeah, that too. But so why would he? Why would I he think be patient? Power and control is it's, it's like the communists. Mm-hmm. Power and control. Look at Daniel Ortega. 
He's been killing right. everybody. He's put. I just talked to my sister the other day. She said it's getting worse. More people are getting arrested over nothing. They're arresting any leaders, anybody that wants to run against him. There's no more in Nicaragua. They're done with that. Mm-hmm. And that's what these criminals, Democrats, want to do to our people. They want to incarcerate suffering in the jails. And now that we have the house, nobody's doing anything but... I don't know if those people were willing to sacrifice uh, to be in prison because something bigger is coming. I do not know. But that's a lot of suffering, what they're going through right now, all these people. And it's not so why, why did the Democrats why, why didn't the Democrats steal the House uh, in uh, 2022 like they stole 2018 and 2020? Why did they let the Republicans have the House this time? That doesn't make sense to me. Because they stole it the other two times. Well, I know. It's, uh, that's what uh, uh, Jay was explaining a couple nights ago in a video. Why did Trump, Hillary was supposed to win, but they didn't let her win. Because uh, the white hats are in control and they allowed Trump to win. What's a white hat? To, I mean, excuse me, in 2016. But mm-hmm. in 2020, they didn't allow Trump to win. They allowed the criminals. So they can expose them even more. So it's big. This is this is a big thing that you're gonna hear later. I mean, I don't know when. I can hardly wait. But like I said, I have to be patiently waiting, and um, I am tired of waiting, like a lot of us are. <laughs> but it, it, I know every night, pray about it. Let it be now, but it'll be a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. See, the, the, see, I. Being a man of action, Josie, I'm not willing to wait for someone else to put a plan in action. We've got our own plans here. What I don't understand is why all these people that are talking about <laughs> action radio, action radio, yeah. So all these people that have those plans, why haven't they taken our plans that are viable, taken our bills and gotten them out there? Let me ask you another question too. We've got yeah, a bunch of local, we got a bunch of local groups around here. I've been banned from most local groups, or I've quit them because they refuse to put my posts on. We've got conservative groups, we've got Republican mm-hmm. groups, we've got supposedly patriotic groups, we've got all these different groups around here. And not one of them is supporting us mm-hmm. publicly. Not I one of them know. has said, please take action radio bills and send the billings in. We wrote an election integrity bill. Now, there's an event coming up sometime. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mention the, the personalities involved. But there's an event yeah. coming up uh, on election uh, integrity. Guess who's not invited? Us. Guess who wrote mm-hmm. a bill that would fix the Florida election system? You know, Diane Warner and me. Are we invited to speak at this event? Mm-hmm. No. Is our bill featured in this event? When is, no. When did you did say you, the event, Greg? Um, it's, it's like I think uh, August fifth or something like that. It's all over. It's all over oh, okay. uh, uh, various social media. Okay. It's in our election. Go to the Action Radio Election mm-hmm. Integrity page. Okay, so the event is there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know one of the speakers okay. really well. He's a friend of mine. But the point is mm-hmm. that we have the bill um, to fix the Florida election system. It's got no paper ballots. It's got counting by mm-hmm. bonded counters. It's got video, you know, uh, recording of, of counting of ballots. Um, it's got uh, no mail-in. It's got no machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's got my provision where voter registrations expire at midnight. Mm. Okay. We, we still need your provision mm-hmm. for voter ID at the polls, but that's a different bill. But uh, we have an election integrity yeah. bill. Guess who's supporting our election integrity bill? Nobody. Guess who, mm-hmm. you know, Representative Joel, let's get specific here, Representative Joel Rudman, who represent, who's our state representative in this area, 
had mm-hmm. our election integrity bill before the legislative session started. Did he sponsor it? No. He sponsored a recall bill. Well, a recall bill is great for county supervisors, but it's very limited in scope. And there's nothing wrong with it. And, you know, but the thing is, he supported that and didn't support our bill. Why would you not support mm-hmm. a, an election integrity bill that covers all of Florida that was a model for the nation? Why would you support a bill that simply has a recall procedure for county supervisors and put all your efforts into that? Nothing against the folks who put that bill in. I'm not mentioning names purposely, but just because. But the point is yeah, yeah. that 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 bill was incredibly limited in scope, and ours is incredibly broad in scope and had national implications. Mm-hmm. So why so why wouldn't our state representative, who supposedly favors election integrity, support an election integrity bill? This is what I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did yeah. you did you meet uh, Matt Gates again? Well, I I, I talked to him okay. at the uh, rally. I mean, I talked to him in person. At the rally. Yeah, there was, he was mm-hmm. up in Jay. He was up at uh, now Jay's interesting. Yeah, for those yeah. who don't know Jay, Florida. Jay, Florida is like uh, mm-hmm. you know Jimmy Carter peanut country. They got peanuts and they got cotton. So if we go up to Jay in yeah. Florida, it's a great place. You know, you got your shotgun and your pickup. You got a great time there. You, yeah. hang, out at, you hang out at the bar. It's a good time. Really nice folks up there. And they grow peanuts and they grow cotton. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a good time. It, uh-huh. It's a great time up there. It's very mm-hmm. flat and you got good agriculture. And yeah, you can hang out and have fun. There's three places in town all owned mm-hmm. by the same family. You know, they do. They have this. Uh, let me get the card here. <laughs> it, it's true. Hey, I, I have to email them too, by the way. Diane, I got a good one here. So the last name Scott. You got Scott's Sporting Goods. You got Scott's Bar. You got Scott's Furniture. You got Scott's Gas Station. So this one family owns everything, right? So well, I don't know how many they have. So they three or four places all oh, over really? the Scott family. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a one family town. Okay. So nothing against the Scott family. Good luck for them. You know, congratulations. You've done well. But one yeah. family owns like half the businesses in town because the names all over every business. So, uh, so you know, I'm not just making this stuff up. Um, but the, but the point is yeah. that uh, Matt Gates did a rally up there. And I, I got to talk to him, and he hasn't mm-hmm. talked to me since. So Matt Gates. So now we're back to the mm-hmm. hair gel problem. You know, he's he's got the fame. You know, but he's not he's not calling us. <laughs> you funny the hair gel. Hair gel. <laughs> yes, Matt cute. Gates was on Action Radio until he started wearing hair gel. So the solution to the problem, folks, uh-huh. stop wearing hair gel. Come back on Action Radio. We can help you. <laughs> yeah, we talked. He oh, talked to us more when he looked more like a Boy Scout. Now now he's uh, well. I, I, <laughs> something I found it really kind of. I don't know if you check my Facebook comedy page. But uh, have you ever seen his poster on Firebrand where he's looking up in the sky? Mm-hmm. It looks very authoritative. Oh, you've got to go to Matt Gates' page. So he's got something uh, where he's got this picture of Firebrand. You know, he's, he's looking up. He looks really tough. Well, it reminded me of, of uh, Dolph Lundgren, who played Ivan Drago. Remember in the Rocky movie? Remember the big blonde guy? He was like three feet taller than Sylvester yep. Stallone. He looks down at him with, with these big blue eyes and, and these, these, these piercing eyes. He says, I will break you. Remember that? <laughs> so, so I got a poster Dolph of, of Lundgren, Dolph Lundgren, who's a really nice guy in real life. I've seen an interview. Right? He's, he's totally cool, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think he's Swedish. Yeah. So Dolph Lundgren is Swedish. He's not Russian. Anyway, so so Lundgren. So anyway, but he's got the, I, I found this picture of Ivan Drago looking, you know, like Matt Gates, <laughs> except that Drago's got the blonde hair and Gates has the dark hair. But it's really funny. It, it looks. It looks. Go to the Action Radio com. So those that don't know, I have the Action Radio Comedy Freedom I Frontier. Check it out. This is all the stuff that I don't put in on my normal site. This is where we go crazy, all right? So I have one page. There's no restrictions. Anybody can post. There's no membership. There's no qualification. There's no participation questions. I don't have to approve anything. Just whatever, whatever you want. If you're really disgusting, yeah, my end. Yeah. No one's been that disgusting yet. So some of the stuff there is pretty disgusting. It's really funny. 
Anyway, so I found this, this uh, so I put this post on there, and I said that we've got, um, you know, I put Matt Gates, you know, looking authoritative and skyward, and then I got uh, Ivan Drago looking mm-hmm. authoritative and skyward. <laughs> They're both facing the same direction. Do you think that Gates took this, this from, uh, from uh, Ivan Drago? I am firebrand. I will break you. <laughs> Just these little things amuse me. <sighs> you know, you, you got to find the humor, otherwise you go crazy. What? What? To find out about how getting well, you're fading out. Wait, is something wrong with your line? Try again. No, I don't know what happened. Oh, uh, now it's can back. Can you hear okay, me? Good. Yeah, I can now. Yeah, you left with uh, that. So, what were you saying before? Oh, now you're fading out again, Josie. Uh, oh, now you're back. I'm stuck. Okay, I want to uh, right. Anyway, I found out the illegals are buying driver's license. They're buying it in Miami. Illegals are buying driver's licenses? Of course they are. They're yeah. buying it through uh, a couple different lawyers in Miami. Uh-huh. And um, they're, the way they pay is they go to Walmart and they buy a gift card. And they send a gift card for the payment of the driver's license. Of mm-hmm. course, there's some that got uh, a scam going on and they don't get no driver's license, but some of them are getting driver's license. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's how they're getting it, and it's $300. That's what they're no, paying. I believe it. Listen, I had to prove my citizenship mm-hmm. to get my driver's license. I had to bring, when I came to Florida, I had my California driver's license. I presented that to them. I go, oh, okay, that's cool. And they said, uh, are you American mm-hmm. citizen? I said, yes, I am. And I actually brought in my passport. You know, and I said, so I had that. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, okay, cool. You're good. So I was fine. So, you know, but they have to do that across the country. I mean, or across Florida. <laughs> they have mm-hmm. to prove citizenship. So in the same way that uh, your dri- when your driver's license expired, expires, you should have to, re- you know, you should be checked. They should start checking everybody's citizenship again. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, yeah. you know, it, so before for a driver's license renewal, you know, and compared to the voting thing. Now, something interesting happened. There was a post about California, and they said that, um uh, about half a million Californians in one year refused jury duty because they said they weren't citizens. Well, where do you think they get yes. the citizen? Where do you think they get the citizen? Uh, where do they get the, think the, the list for jury duty from the voter rolls? Mm-hmm. So, so all those people yeah. that were illegal aliens yeah. that refused jury duty were taken from the voter rolls, which means they're registered to vote. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. And that's just a half a million that refused yeah. jury service. How about the aliens that went to jury hmm. service? They wouldn't have shown up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're yeah. Right. Oh, Mar- Marco's wow. got another line from uh, from uh, Rocky here. If he dies, he dies. <laughs> I will break <laughs> you. I'll have to look at my, my uh, Ivan Drago quotes. But yeah, that was, that was actually Mar- a cool film. What's that? Marco, right? From the Netherlands. Marco. Marco's Marco? in the Netherlands. Yeah, he types in. Pianchi's on uh, typing in too. But uh, yeah. Hola, Bianchi and Marco. <laughs> yeah. He says uh, Pianchi says there are acceptable but, levels of incidence of death uh, in approved products. Yes, there are, but those products have liability. Vaccines do not. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. He says Harris may mention yeah. a population reduction in a speech. Uh, that'd be Kamala Harris. Yeah. Oh, she did. Yeah, she talked about we'll be a lot better off when we have population reduction. So here's a question for you. In, in the yes. last few minutes of your report. And then they Go ahead. were covering her little, her little speech. They said, no, that's not what she meant. You did. 
control population. Yeah, the, our children sandwiches. are going to be more happy if there's less people. So but when they say population they, reduction, I think that's code, though. I think what they're really talking about is American citizen population reduction. Because if you're really for population reduction, yeah. you wouldn't have an open door, a border bringing in 15 million illegals. Because that increases your population. If you really were against, quote, global warming and a carbon footprint, you wouldn't bring in 30 million new feet. In other words, 15 exactly. million illegal aliens, right? Yeah. So you wouldn't do yeah. that if you, if you really believed that using up carbon dioxide is a bad thing. You wouldn't bring 15 million people into your country to create a larger carbon footprint. So the mm-hmm. hypocrisy is everywhere. They're criminals. Well, yeah. They're criminals. But, and you know, Greg, but, uh-huh. when I post on Facebook or tele- Instagram, I put Biden is a criminal being run by Obama and all that. And then a message comes on and it says, uh, go back and check your message. We don't agree with what you or something, whatever it comes on. So I oh, go Facebook back to that? my message and I write a few words in Spanish and then it goes right through. Yeah, what you do is you write your message in Spanish and then put the translation in the first comment because the algorithms don't check the comments. They just check the uh, the posting. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. There was uh, no. There this was a is post. a comment that I'm making, and then and then they correct me to go check back on what you just wrote. Yeah. Oh really? They, you, Facebook you, did that this. It's not good. Yeah, and, oh, does, and Instagram they, too, <laughs> and even Twitter. Yeah. Really? So I go back hey. and I add a, a couple words in Spanish, and then I click, and nothing, everything goes fine. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to be doing now from now on. Oh, that's yeah, hysterical. Because we can always translate mm-hmm. it. I mean, Google Translate. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is when I was uh, trying to uh, get through FTL when they first took over here in uh, the state of Florida, you know, here in Pensacola, because we didn't have FTL like we had in Miami, uh, mm-hmm. I called, and if you call to talk in English, you can never get through. And then cover that if you press uh, one or two to go in Spanish, it goes right through and they answer. Yeah. It's, I told, I told the, uh, the lady that answered the phone, I said, you know what? You guys are discriminating American people. Mm-hmm. And she goes, why you say that? I said, because I have tried three times and you guys never answer the phone. And as soon as I, press to speak in Spanish, I said, it goes right through. And she just said, well, I don't know what to say. I said, well, you tell, next time you have mm-hmm. a meeting, tell them that I'm going to report you guys. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> anyway, tell I'm done. I will I'm here break at the store, you. Though. Tell them I will break you. I will break you. I will break Hasta you. Vista, baby. Exactly. <laughs> I'll so be back. So what are you going to talk on the second hour, Chico? Uh, third hour, actually. Yeah. Well, I've been, I watched the whole Tucker Carlson interview with uh, all those different candidates uh-huh. and I'm going to kind of sum up each one. And I'll be inviting Pianchi to, to call in uh, and Marco to, to comment as well. And anybody else who wants to join us, this hopefully will be a free for all hour. Uh, and if I get bored, I'll just play things, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for my recordings, but yeah. Uh, but uh, that's what we're talking about. Cause it was incredible. And it's not that Tucker Carlson is doing anything all that radical or different. He's just asking questions that nobody yeah. else uh, and, and none of the other journalists are actually asking that, questions. They're asking talking points mm-hmm. that the candidates can mm-hmm. respond to because they've already choreographed this whole thing at the false stage. My, my opinion is 
all this is a show uh, just to distract what's really happening right now. Uh, none of these people are really running for president. Uh, they're friends with Donald Trump, and it's all a setup, and that's all I can say. So okay, there will not be a 2024 election unless we fix the 2021. Well, I've been saying that since 2020. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah, let's get the shameless fixed. plug for Ruth's, and uh, let's hear about your chickens and bees and any other critters you've got. Do you have any emus? Yeah, I need to go take care of my chicken. I'm going to let them loose. They love it to go outside. Uh, okay. And I just order 50 little chickens, so let me know if you need one chicken to eat in about eight weeks. Quack, quack. <laughs> do you have any emus yet? Not, you can have emu I'm not eggs? buying chicken in the store. Okay. Huh? Do you have e- are you going to buy emu you eggs? eggs? Are you going to buy some emus? You have an emu running around. I know. You know what, you know what an emu is? So, what's an emu? <laughs> it's the second largest bird in the world. So the ostrich is the biggest, the emu is second, and the rhea. Uh, oh, from yeah, South yeah. America is the third. So an emu is like a big rhea. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and it doesn't go, mm. but it does chase you around because they're big and powerful. And cassowaries are another flightless bird. They'll kill you. They're downright mean. They're, they're dangerous. Oh, really? they have a, yeah, the front toe is like this enormous claw. It just rips you open. Yeah, they're, they're bad. It's a badass mm. bird. Who wants mm. to get killed by a big chicken? I'm sorry. It's, it's humiliating. No. Yeah. I'll eat the chicken. Exactly. All right, Greg. See you next week. This is Josie reporting for Action Radio, and please don't forget to support us. Even if it's ten, twenty, fifteen dollars, whatever you can afford, go ahead and support our radio station so we can continue being online. And I hope you guys enjoy uh, this week. God bless well, thank you, you, and come and visit me at Ruth Uniform Shop. Ciao. Which is where is Pasa. it? What's the phone number? Go ahead, come on, details. Eight five zero four seven eight seven seven five six on Olive Road, Pensacola. Ciao, Pakan, Russian. And you can get green eggs and ham. At least the green eggs. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Eh. Actually, my husband is picking up half of a pig right now as we speak. Really? Yeah. Where's the other? I'm gonna have a big pig. Uh, My girlfriend is sharing one half, and I'm sharing. We're splitting it. We're splitting the chick, the, the the pig in half. And wow. I have a company that's going to process it for me because I don't want to deal cutting no pigs. Yeah. Yeah. So big. I'm going to have okay. a pig in my freezer. So yeah. you're, you're literally 90, bringing 90 home the bacon. Pounds. Wow. You're bringing home the bacon, right? I am going to bring the bacon. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ciao. <laughs> God bless. Bye, Josie. God bless you too. Bye. All right. Now five here Central Time, and I'll be back uh, after I play some stuff, and uh, we'll talk then. Hello, and welcome to Action Radio Presents how Monty Python might react to a charge of racism. Imagine, if you will, two men approaching each other on a sidewalk. Hello, hello. Step aside, please. No, I don't think so. You step aside. But I'm in a hurry. So am I. And my time is just as important as yours. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I'm sorry, but you're going to have to move first. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Well, then, you're a racist. I'm a what? You're a racist. I am not. You are, too. I'm not. Yes, you are. What makes you think you can just declare me a racist? You aren't the Queen of England. You can't just make declarations like that. Neither are you, but you are a racist. 
No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Wait, you just can't accuse people like that. We have rights, traditions, Magna Carta, common law, evidence man, even for your opinion. We have standards of decency. No, we don't. Yes, we do. Not anymore. What? We had the new normal. We can now just make stuff up as we go. No, you can't. Yes, we can. There are rules to follow. New rules. New rules for a new normal. That's loony. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it came from America, and everything they start ends up here anyway. Oh, that's true. But I'm still not moving. Yes, you are. You have to. No, I don't. Yes, you do. There are rules. Rules? Yes, I called you a racist, and now you have to take a knee. Take a knee? Are you mad? Nope. It will allow me to pass you by. You take a knee. I don't have to. Why not? I called you a racist first. Called me a racist first? So what? So you have to take a knee, apologize for your white privilege, and I'll be on my way. No, you won't. Yes, I will. Nope, I'm not taking a knee. That's only for marriage proposals and being knighted. Neither of which you qualify for, old boy. Yes, you are taking a knee. No, I'm not. Apologize for your white privilege. What? Apologize to you? You're white also. But most of the country is white. Are we going to get on our knees for you? Well, they do in America. No, they don't. Yes, they do. I've seen the videos. Videos, is it? You want me to live out some bizarre fantasy of yours by getting on my knee when I'm not bloody proposing marriage? You certainly aren't giving me a knighthood. We have traditions of individual rights going back almost a thousand years, and all you can say is take a knee. You're mad. No, I'm not. And you're a racist. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system.
You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. All right, let's get back to the news. I'm sorry. Let me start again. So something pretty incredible happened over the weekend, and there was a forum in Iowa, and it was put on by The Blaze, uh, something I've been trying to contact for years to get on their show because I think Glenn Beck would love what we do here if I can ever get past his minions. And of course, that's always the problem uh, when it comes to reaching anybody who's knowledgeable and visionary is you have to get past people who are not knowledgeable and not visionary. And so that's, that's my continual struggle uh, with, the, with the show here because the, the people that are not visionary and not, uh, you know, uh, really particularly bright are the ones that usually stand in the way of the people that really are bright, hopefully screening out uh, other people that are equally unbright, <laughs> you know, or, you know, anyway. So whatever it is, we're having trouble getting through. So, so he had a forum, and they did in Iowa. And uh, the key was Tucker Carlson, who got to interview all of the uh, – you know, the, the rhino presidential hopefuls, you know, the, the, I, w- I would call them the list of deplorables. You know, the, the, of course, we call rhinos transgender Democrats now because it seems to be more appropriate. But the folks that, uh, that were up there that uh, – let me see if I, I've got my list right here. Yeah, Tim Scott, Asa Hutchinson, Mike Pence, Ron DeSantis, Swami. That's what I'm calling Vivek Ramaswamy. I call him Swami now. I should call him Obama Swami because <laughs> that's kind of what he is. He's, he's the new Obama. You know, as uh, what, what, what did uh, Biden say about Obama? He's he's young, he's clean, you know, whatever that means. You know, he's uh, some. It was this really bizarre quote, right? And so, uh, yeah, but uh, you know, Swami, he's youthful, he's bright, he's intelligent, he speaks in mindless platitudes, he offers no solutions, he sounds really good, you know. Which and that's the thing, you know. And, and these people, they're um, it, it's really interesting. Speaking of, well, I'm going to digress for a second. Um, one of the speeches I heard, the new president of uh, uh, the NEA, the National Education Association, in other words, the teachers' union, uh, black woman, tall, large, loud voice, deep voice, big, you know, gestures, the whole bit. Um, very reminiscent of, of Hitlerian speech. She screamed. She said mindless, stupid things. She, she uh, appealed to people's pure emotions. It was, uh, you know, I'd love to put, to put it like a speech of, I mean, this is obviously you know, inflammatory things that I'm saying right now. But you put the speech of the NEA president next to a speech of Hitler, and except for the language difference, they sound very much, they very, the very similar tone of voice. That same kind of reach deep into your emotions, and we're going to be the best, and we're going to rise up, and we'll be that shining star of victory. And she's talking about education. She's talking about, uh, you know, controlling a teacher's union, destroying the educational standards of Americans, and making kids stupid. That's what she's fighting for in very Hitlerian, you know, emotional speaking loud terms. It's just quite fascinating. Anyway, so Swami, he's got a different, different approach. He's, he's like Obama, you know, who promised to fundamentally transform a country where it's unconstitutional to do so, okay, where he wanted to bring more democracy into a country that's a republic, where he wanted to violate the constitution of a country that has a constitution. That was Obama. 
Uh, and so uh, he's still, you know, running things behind the scenes. <clears throat> or as I said on Facebook, our country's being destroyed by morons in public office and psychopaths behind the scenes and gelding GOP who refuse to fight back. And that's pretty much what's going on. So, uh, so if you miss it the first time, let me say it again, that our country is being destroyed by morons in public office, by psychopaths behind the scenes, and by uh, GOP geldings who refuse to fight back. That's our problem. Very simple. What we need is Dolph Lundgren. I will break you. <laughs> that would be good to do. Oh, that was, uh, if you heard listening earlier, wondering what I was doing, that was my Monty Python uh, rendition of, uh, you know, how they, how would they handle racism today? Uh, I used to, I was listening to a bunch of John Cleese uh, recordings. It was really quite fascinating, actually. Anyway, so let's, let's get back to Swami and the, uh, and the Rhino. Uh, it'd be a great name for a rock group. Hey, and now presenting, you know, and, uh, well, Ed Sullivan, we're going to have a really big show, really big. And I now I want to present, uh, Swami and the, the rhinos, you know, be like great new group, Swami and the rhinos. Anyway, so they each had their problems. But what it occurred to me that I guess no one else is talking about, I really haven't seen anything on this, is that our elections have become scripted events. There is a plan. Uh, there are candidates who are selected by the parties. There are reporters and journalists who are selected by the parties. The, the journalists are given questions that are selected by the parties to the candidates who are selected by the parties, and they're given positions by the, the parties and the donors, the people with the money, and they will follow the positions of the parties and the donors. And it doesn't matter which party, because the, basically the donors want the same things, you know, more money, more power, uh, an abrogation of the Constitution, a denial of rights, and uh, making workers earn less money. That's, that's basically what the, what the donor corporate class wants. They want a controlled population that they don't have to pay as much but get more work out of. And if that means bringing in illegals, that's okay. So it's all scripted, you know, and you know it's scripted because uh, Chris Wallace, you know, when uh, Chris Wallace joined with Joe Biden to debate Donald Trump and Chris Wallace actually became a debater and Trump should have said, hey, look, if you're going to debate me, what you need to do is, is get your own podium, pal. Come on up here and we'll let somebody moderate who's actually moderate who's going to moderate the debate and not be part of it. That's what he should have said. Trump, you know, and, and here's what's going to be interesting with Trump this time, because the gloves are off, as they say. No more Mr. Nice Guy. The civility is gone. Trump's going to get up there, you know, behind the microphone and say, I will break you. So we're going to, we're going to, it's going to be fun. It's going to be really interesting to watch. That's why I, I want to see Trump win, if for nothing else but the comedy. Because what he's going to say now that he wouldn't have said before, he was kind of civil before. He went along with the impeachments. I mean, he tried to defend himself, and, and rightly so, and his lawyers, and they followed the procedure. This time, I think he would just laugh and say, you think you're going to impeach me? Who the hell do you people think you are? No, I'm going to cut your budget. You know, I'm going to stop your trips. I'm going to, I'm going to take away your airplanes. You know, I'm going to take away your perks. I'm going to take away this, that, and the other thing. You know, if you want to fly from Washington back to your district, yeah, take a bus, take a Greyhound. Ride the dog, man. Ride the dog. You know, that's what they used to say about Greyhound. Riding the dog. You know, this is code for Greyhound. Anyway, um, yeah, make him ride the dog. <laughs> you want to go back to your district? Fine. I don't care if you live in Tulsa. Say, ride the dog, baby. And so that's, uh, that's how you do it. But, you know, so Trump can make the, their lives completely miserable, you know, and rightly so. Just take away the Capitol Hill police. I'm sorry, we're not going to have Capitol Hill police protection. Why don't you pay for private security? No more perks. Can't use the franc, which is basically free stamps. You know, so, so it's really interesting. You know, turn the Department of Justice onto Congress and onto all the rhinos and all the, the, the Democrats and all the Marxists and say, hey, well, here you go. It's your turn now. You know, especially the first, first person you arrest is Merrick Garland, the attorney general, you know, for corruption, bribery, abuse of power and everything else. And the whole Biden family for them, you know. So anyway, it's going to be interesting to see that uh, when Trump's unleashed, you know, what's going to happen. Anyway, so the traditional election 
a, a typical U.S. election, uh, the way it goes, unless somebody cheats or innovates or is actually interesting, like Ronald Reagan, um, John Kennedy, and uh, Donald Trump, who are the three most interesting presidents uh, in the last long time. Of course, and then before that would be Calvin Coolidge. So my favorites would be Calvin Coolidge, Ronald Reagan to a lesser extent, uh, John Kennedy, absolutely, uh, and Donald Trump. So those are the interesting presidents. The others, yeah, selected. You know, Johnson was selected uh, after Kennedy was assassinated by the CIA. Um, Gerald Ford was selected after Nixon was uh, uh, impeached. or I don't think he was actually impeached, but he resigned. You know, the, the Bushes were selected by the deep state. Obama was selected. Clinton was selected. All these people were selected. Why? Because they didn't change anything. Business as usual. Uh, they also select the losers, too. McCain was selected to lose. Mitt Romney was selected to lose. The way the pattern works, it's pretty straightforward. And, and the pattern is that um, the, the typical pattern, you get about 20 conservatives to beat the hell out of each other, and one moderate Republican rises up and says, I'm the maverick, John McCain. I'm the moderate, Mittens Romney. Of course, you can't be a, a tough man if your name is Mittens. It just doesn't work. Mittens? No. That, tough guys don't have the name Mittens. All right? Anyway, so take that. Don't forget that Mittens Romney. So you got Mittens and McCain. Anyway, so you've got these guys, and their their job was to lose. In fact, uh, Romney made sure he lost after winning the first debate by making sure he lost the second and third debate to Obama, because you could have beaten him in debate pretty easily. It's not hard to point out, point out Obama's hypocrisies, um, denials of the Constitution, uh, things he wants to do to destroy the country, and the fact of, and his Muslim heritage, which he proclaimed so proudly until George Stephanopoulos said, uh, "You mean your Christian heritage?" To which Obama responded, why, yes, my Christian heritage. Yeah, right. From the Muslim father. <laughs> Tell me about it. All right. Anyway, so he's basically a, Obama's a communist Muslim or a Muslim communist, however you look at it. And a theocracy and a communist state, they're both dictatorships, one from a religious dictatorship and the other from a political dictatorship. Same, it amounts to a dictatorship. So Obama favors dictatorship, right? But he was selected. He was selected by the globalists. You know, because, he, you know, he was young and innovative and they taught him how to speak and they taught him how to act. They taught him how to, you know, put his head back and forth between the, the teleprompters. You know, then you got that, that hope, you know, that three panel poster and it was all orchestrated. Right. And they preyed on white guilt and Obama got elected. Bill Clinton was young, innovative. He's Kennedy, too. You know, he's the, dare I say, the great white hope, you know, whatever it was. You know, Clinton comes along and, uh, well, we've got to get away from those evil bushes who were globalists by replacing them with Bill Clinton, who's a globalist who gave all the nuclear technology to North Korea, gave power plants to North Korea, basically made possible the entire North Korean's weapon program, uh, which is now affecting countries around the world, uh, or certainly that, that was Bill Clinton. Who was the next globalist? Well, Obama gave all the nuclear technology to Iran so they could build a bomb to destroy Israel. You see the pattern here? And then the globalists want to go to war. So the globalists want someone, the permanent war class wants someone that's going to keep us in a war. So, so after World War II ended, it's like, oh, no, we better have a, where are we going to find the next war? So they split Korea into two different countries, North and South, and, uh, of course, that guarantees a war at some point. And so we got the Korean War, so 1950, 1953, and then uh, 1954, the, they split uh, Vietnam, guaranteeing a war there in North and South, right? So you had the North and the South, so they fought. You had the communists, Chinese and the Russians take the North, we take the South, and there's going to be a war. Chinese and the Russians take the North, and we take the South, and there's a war. Well, we didn't have a country we could split like that. Germany was already split, and we were kind of in a Cold War with Russia, with uh, East Germany and West Germany. Uh, and so they had to have a war somewhere else. Well, where are we going to go? Let's go to Iraq. You know, let's, let's, go, uh, let's go get Saddam Hussein. Saddam, instead of Saddam. You know, uh, it was Saddam. That's what George, George Bush the Elder said. Saddam Hussein. 
Now, that was a setup, too. That was part of the permanent war class. Go to a place where they're not going to affect this country, where they're not going to invade this country, where they're not going to pose any serious threat to this country, and fight an endless war uh, where American people you know, die and get crippled for, for no apparent reason, but the permanent war class gets rich. And so they want a president who's going to support that war, right? So that's how that works. Uh, and then, of course, as the Iraq War One and becomes Iraq War Two, uh, you know, weapons of mass destruction, babies yanked out of incubators, all the other lies of that, they kind of ran out of lies. And they said, oh, you know, American people are getting bored with that war. We better go somewhere else. Well, let's go to Afghanistan, where the Russians failed completely. So we go to Afghanistan um, and, and support them and support a group called the Mujahideen, headed up by Osama bin Laden. Gee, you heard that name before? Can you say 9-11? So we supported the very guy that uh, organizes uh, the terrorist campaign, except he didn't. Well, he didn't, he didn't. I'm not sure how much exactly. Because, uh, you know, the real perpetrator of 9-11 was Iran. Iran, the people that Obama is giving a nuclear weapon to blow up Israel. Okay, so Iran blows up our twin towers, you know, with Saudi pilots, gets rewarded with a nuclear bomb from Obama, uh, pays no consequence to it. And now they're causing all kinds of havoc. And uh, we're having to defend the oil tankers of other countries with our A-10s. I just saw that in the news this morning. It's really quite fascinating. So the permanent war class keeps us at war somewhere for no reason, but uh, not in a country that's actually going to threaten us. So they don't go to war with Russia. They, go, they, they let Ukraine go to war with Russia. You know, we don't go to war with China. We let uh, other countries in the well, like Japan or in Taiwan go to war with China. They, they can do it, you know. And so uh, Afghanistan, nobody wins in Afghanistan. Afghanistan's the perfect place to go to war because you're never going to win in Afghanistan. Everybody knows that. The British know that. The Russians know that. We know that. Everybody that's ever been to Afghanistan, you don't win. So the only reason to go to Afghanistan is to keep a war going. Well, that's what the permanent war class does. So you need a president who's going to keep the war going. Well, who kept the war going? Clinton, Obama, you know, who else kept the war going in Afghanistan? Uh, Trump should have gotten us out of there. I mean, he should have just immediately canceled it. That's it. We're going home. Yeah, military last. <laughs> you know, but uh, he didn't. And that's because of his first term, he actually believed people in government were working with him. He didn't realize the entire federal government was working against him, including the Congress. Now he knows better. So now the, the next term is going to be really interesting to see what happens. Anyway, so, so where all this is getting to uh, is, the, uh, is the event of this weekend. So part of the script, the script is that the parties will select the only people that we can choose from for president. So that's scripted. The reporters who are also scripted and chosen will ask only the questions that the parties want asked to make their candidates look good. So the, the reporters get scripted questions, the candidates get scripted answers, and they go through this dance. They go through a play, basically, a pre-scripted play. So, there are, so the candidates know they're never going to get a question that they don't already know the answer to. And that's how they appear smart. Oh, they're so smart. How do they know the answer to that? Well, it's like the game shows. They used to get the, the like Hollywood Squares. Remember that one? Hollywood Squares. We all thought that the, those, those comedians were so brilliant. We didn't know that they, the, they got the question two weeks previously and they had time to work on a, on a funny answer, okay? Paul Lind especially. You know, when asked why the military wears khaki, he says, well, because chiffon wrinkles, <laughs> you know, which is pretty funny, but he had two weeks to think about that. He, that wasn't a spur-of-the-moment spur the moment thing, all right? So then they had to make a disclosure at the Hollywood Squares after a while. Peter Marshall had this little thing. Stars were given uh, questions in advance so they could prepare appropriate answers, you know, so that so they had to make truth in that. Well, they should say that about candidates. Candidates were given the questions to the debate three weeks in advance so they could appear smart uh, when the questions were actually asked. And that's how they come up with those answers. I'm sure they're all given in advance, right? Because elections are scripted. They're scripted by the parties. They're scripted by the media, which is the same thing, right? Um, and they're scripted, you know, so the government, the parties, and the media are like one cabal. And we know that because that's how COVID worked, right? COVID was a, was a collaboration of government, 
media, big tech, uh, and big pharma. In other words, fascism. And so same elections are basically not fascist too. So the biggest problem with elections is that uh, you don't get to select people that you want. You get to select who the parties give you. So if you're only selecting who the parties give you, you're getting some of the worst people in the country, uh, people that will represent the party and the deep state. They won't represent the people. So this is why Trump was such an aberration. This is why they have to kill that's uh, the wrong word, uh, the candidacy. Let me, let me be really clear what I'm saying here. They have to kill the candidacy on Donald Trump. They have to kill what he represents. They have to stop Trump. What Trump represents is somebody who's outside the scripted system. Okay, That's what they're talking about. Don't edit my comments and make me look bad. <laughs> anyway, but that's the, that's the point. They have to take a situation um, that there was an aberration. Ronald Reagan was the same thing. Although Ronald Reagan was easier to co-opt and script eventually. Uh, but he still had his moments, you know, when he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Well, it's pretty good, right? Um, but uh, for the most part, he went with horrible things like uh, letting vaccines uh, off the, uh, the liability uh, thing. Some of the most dangerous things in our society, obviously, vaccines, you know, have no liability, but your local donut shop does. Your local sandwich shop does. Go figure that. So if someone gets in your local sandwich, you know, find a bug in your sandwich, they're liable for that. But uh, if Pfizer, you know, makes your heart explode, they're not. So, so go, you know, it's a strange set of priorities. Anyway, so figure the elections are fixed uh, when, they, when they get to Congress because the parties control Congress. They fix that too. Well, who gets to be Speaker of the House? Well, the person with the most uh, seats in the party, not the person who's the best speaker. You know, in fact, Speaker doesn't even have to be a member of Congress. Anybody can be Speaker if they vote him in. But the thing is, the only people who vote in Congress, the people vote in Congress in, in their party. There's only, there's only uh, two different votes in Congress, the Democrat vote and the Republican vote. And it's the same thing, basically, right? Uh, and so the only person that really has a vote is the Speaker. Because the Speaker con- controls the committee chairs, the Speaker controls which bills come to the floor, the Speaker controls everything. Well, who controls the Speaker? The parties. So the Democrat Party controls Nancy Pelosi and the uh, Republican Party controlled Paul, Paul Ryan. See, the speakers are supposed to be independent. They're not supposed to have parties. So the first thing we need to do is get rid of parties. Parties have no place in, in, uh, uh, in politics in the actual office. Now, parties privately, sure, raise money, raise millions. I don't care. Raise all you want. But as far as membership in a party, nobody in Congress and nobody in the state legislature, nobody in the legislature should be a member of a party because it ruins the selection. You know, people should be able to run who don't have a party. We'll work on that later. That's, that's a whole other show. Um, but the point is that there's no reason for that membership. So anyway, so because this is, has been so scripted, where in the last few elections, Romney was going to lose and McCain was going to lose and Obama was going to win, you know, and the, the, the script was that Hillary was supposed to win against President Trump. Well, she didn't. And it was so shocking, so disgusting, so outside their, their worldview that only scripted elections can happen, that only scripted questions, only scripted answers, only scripted debates, only scripted commercials, only scripted policies. You know, the laws in Congress have to be approved ahead of time by the parties or nothing happens. And then sent to the media, you know, what, what, the vote, is, the vote is, is, is just a formality. It's not even real anymore because the people in Congress, they don't read the bills. They certainly don't write them. You know, so you got this weird situation uh, where it's all planned. It's all pre-planned. It's all preordained. It's all done ahead of time. It's, it's like, a, like a Hollywood uh, movie. So the entire political election is a Hollywood movie where all the decisions are made, you know, two years before the election takes place. Except with Donald Trump. That's why they have to destroy the whole idea of Donald Trump, the whole memory of Donald Trump, so nobody ever again, you know, comes in and writes their own script. That's why Trump is so dangerous. So then... Uh, a journalist comes along, Tucker Carlson, and he says, you know what? I, I'm not going to follow the script either. 
I'm actually going to ask questions. Now, the questions he asks are not that uh, uh, detailed or complex. They're, they're elegant in their simplicity, actually. But the thing is, he's asking questions that aren't on the script. He's not asking particularly difficult you know, questions or, or huge policy implications. He's asking basic questions. Well, how do we win in, in Ukraine? You know, or, uh, you know, why, you know, Asa Hutchinson, why, why do you think, uh, why do you want parents to mutilate the kids? <laughs> you know, it's really simple stuff like that. You know, uh, uh, Mike Pence, uh, how, how do you, you know, uh, what about all the crime in American cities? And Mike Pence says, well, I'm not really concerned with that. Well, bye, Mike Pence. You just lost your, you just lost your bid for president. So when people say that uh, Tucker Carlson caused these people to lose their presidency, what, what, what Tucker Carlson really did, from my perspective, is that he changed the rules. And see, Trump changed the rules, too. So you can't change the rules. You can change people. You can change events. You can change all kinds of things, but you can't change the rules. The rules are that the elections are scripted, that only people approved by the parties get to run, and only decisions approved by the parties get to happen in Congress. That's the rule. All right. The rule is that 20 conservative Republicans will beat themselves up. The moderate will get elected and the moderate will lose to the Democrat. That's the rule. That's the pattern. That's that's how elections have been run. And if you violate that, then you, you, you're messing with the primal forces. As Ned Beatty said at the movie Network, you, Howard Beale, have messed with the primal forces and you must atone. Howard Beale, who's my idol, my mentor, who said, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. That's what he said. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. So all of you have to get up there and go to your windows and go to your doors and yell and scream out the, the or scream over the social media now. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. Right? That's that's what Action Radio is based on. Right? So we're kind of like a combination of Howard Beale. So think of think of Tucker Carlson as a as a more as a, as like the Clark Kent version of Howard Beale. He's mad as hell, and he's not going to take it anymore either. But he's going to say it really nicely. He's not yelling. He's not screaming. He's just asking. So. Uh, you know, how, how are you going to get rid of the national debt? <laughs> you can't ask that question, right? So what Tucker Carlson did, which is so much fun, is that he got up there and he's really friendly. And he, he, he reminds me, uh, well, I like to, like I say, he reminds me of me. That's, not, that's, you know, probably not quite fair. But anyway, he would do what I would do, which is what I try to do with guests. Make friends. Come on. Hey, welcome to the show. It's really, good to, really great to have you here. Yeah, it's wonderful. So are you sleeping with your best friend's uh, wife? <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's that kind of thing. So you welcome them. Come on in. By the way, you know, are, are you having sex with children? You know, I mean, it just, it just ask it really calmly. Just throw it in there to see what they say. You know, no, I'm not. Really? Are you against having sex with children? Yes, I am. Are you sure? Well, you know, I mean, but the, the point is ask a really, you know, just a really straightforward question. For something they don't expect. And so this has been really funny. It's been a blast um, to watch these several hours. So let's go over the candidates. So the candidates are Tim Scott, Asa Hutchinson, Mike Pence, Ron DeSantis, and Vivek Ramaswamy. Those are the, uh, uh, the geldings that are running. And so they are wanting of a, uh, of a script. Um, each one of them wants a script. Each one of them has pre-prepared scripted answers to scripted questions. So Tucker comes along and says, well, you know what? I'm going to ask what I want. And they couldn't handle it. This is what made this so much fun. They couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle it at all. It was bizarre to watch this. Now it's pre-warned. I knew this was coming. I think I need a um, Marco Rubio water break. Hang on a second. Mm. There we go. Much better. So they were not ready for this. And Tucker Carlson didn't tell them ahead of time. Which is what he's, which is the way it's supposed to work, right? So, ask real questions, 
catching them on the spot, making them think on their feet, uh, not letting them prepare for the answers, and having them just uh, answer it. So if you get a chance, watch the whole thing. Now skip all the commentary in the middle. I mean, Glenn Beck's nice, but it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of wasted time. Go right to the candidates themselves. Listen to what they say. So I wrote a few notes down here uh, of these different candidates. Tim Scott was the first one up. So Tim Scott um, talks to the audience. Tim Scott, I think, thinks of himself as an evangelist. So he gets up there and he invokes God. And he said, God bless America and God bless my campaign. And, uh, you know, so he, he talks about God a lot. And I'm not sure God wants to be used for Tim Scott's campaign. <clears throat> but we'll find out tomorrow when I talk to Wendy. Anyway, so he gets up there and he, he doesn't talk to Tucker Carlson directly. He talks to the audience. Because they're better at talking to the audience because the audience doesn't talk back and the audience doesn't really ask good questions because they don't let them. Uh, you know who's really good about that now is Trump. Trump takes off, off the, uh, the cuff uh, questions. He'll just go before an audience. Anybody have a question? You know, yeah, I got a question. You know, how are you going to prosecute all the people that stole the election in 2020? That's my question. In fact, I would love to talk to Tim Scott, Asa Hutchinson, Mike Pence, Ron DeSantis, and Swamy. I would, you think Tucker's questions were bad? You should see mine. <laughs> mine would be 10 times tougher than his. But you don't have to ask tough questions. Sometimes the simple questions are the hardest ones to answer. <clears throat> um, uh, I forgot who it was, uh, was famous, uh, Bill Moyers. Is it Bill Moyers? Anyway, somebody was interviewing Ted Kennedy. Yeah, I think it was Bill Moyers, uh, back when Kennedy was running for, for president. And he said, why do you want to be president? And he didn't know. He had no answer. What do you mean you don't know? Well, you want to make the country great. I mean, Trump would tell you right away, well, I want to make America great again. Oh, that's a good answer. Okay. You know. But Kennedy had no answer. He didn't know why he was running for president. He just assumed he would be president because he's Kennedy, unlike Robert Kennedy that has to actually run for the office. But anyway, so Tim Scott is running on being a black guy. He's running on being a, a Republican conservative black guy. He's running on being a senator. He's running on, but I don't know what he has for policies. I have no idea. Because he spoke in platitudes, you know, platitudes being, uh, you know, America's a great country and we're going to make it a better country and we're going to be conservative and we're going to clean the streets of drugs and we're going to close down the border and we're going to make the economy great and uh, energy prices low. Well, of course, everybody wants that. You can say how. There's no how in there. So when they don't give you a how, I don't think they're going to do it. Anyway, that was Tim Scott. He was okay. And he wasn't. He's not going anywhere. His campaign, you know, because he didn't say anything. So, so uh, the lack of anything interesting is going to kill his campaign. Asa Hutchinson is done. Asa Hutchinson thinks it's okay for parents to choose to mutilate their kids with uh, gender surgery. I'm not going to call it trans surgery because it's gender surgery. You know, they're, they're, they're removing gender parts, okay? Uh, and he thinks that's okay. And he is done. So any Republican that gets up and says it's okay for parents to have the freedom to choose to change their kids' sex, that's okay with Asa Hutchinson. And the problem is it's impossible to change somebody's sex. That's the lie. So the whole gender thing is a lie. And they call it gender affirming. Affirming is when you maintain what is. And these people are not gender transforming. They're gender destroying. They're gender mutilating. They're gender removing. But they're not transitioning because that's impossible. So Asa Hutchinson, Republican former governor of Arkansas, I think, um, uh, who's, who's uh, Huckabee? Um, what's his daughter's name? Mike Huckabee is the dad. Uh, I forgot the, the, the daughter's name. Somebody Huckabee. Huckabee. <laughs> anyway, uh, she's running Arkansas now. But uh, yeah, but Asa Hutchinson, that was his downfall. And he did not have a good answer because what he should have said was, no. There is no gender surgery of people under 18, only consenting adults. And even then, 
they're not transitioning. They're simply removing parts and taking drugs. That's all they're doing. They're, they're, they're changing parts and, and taking drugs. And that's elective. That's what he should have said, but he didn't. Okay, Mike Pence. Let's get on to Mike Pence. Mike Pence totally blew it also. Mike Pence uh, not only speaks in platitudes, he speaks in, in condescending Mount Olympus platitudes. He'll talk down. He talks down to everybody. He is so contemptuous of the American people that uh, Mike Pence, he doesn't talk to people like people. See, when Trump talks to you, you know, he's talking to you as an individual. When Mike Pence talks, he's proclaiming dictates from, from Mount Olympus. That's Mike Pence's problem. He's not of the people. He's above the people. Trump is, is of the people. Mike Pence is above the people. And so what Mike Pence was talking about was F-16s for Ukraine and tanks for Ukraine and all this stuff for Ukraine because we have to win. We have to make the world safe for Ukraine. We have to you know, protect Ukraine democracy you know, in Kiev. Of course, the minute they say Kiev, I know the deep state, right, because it's Kiev. And that's how I know one of the ways I know that Obama is running this country is because of the way uh, Joe Biden says Taliban. And if you're an American, American demon is Taliban. It's called the Taliban. That's what it is, the Taliban. What does Joe Biden say? He says the Taliban. Well, who's the only person in American society uh, that's on any media that calls it the Taliban? Well, Obama. So Biden has internalized Obama's diction and pronunciation of Taliban. And that's how you know Obama is speaking directly into O'Biden's brain. I mean, uh, O'Biden. <laughs> that was funny, actually. Uh, speaking to O'Biden's brain um, is uh, Barack Obama. He's speaking directly into Biden's brain. I know that because Biden is actually taking on his speech things. You know, when, when, when Biden says, exit the stage or, you know, comment on this, he's actually reading his stage directions. He internalizes those. So he's internalized in his dementia. He's internalized Obama's voice saying, Taliban. Nobody else in America says Taliban, except Obama, who's a Marxist Muslim, right? So he says it. So it, it's really funny. So every time, Obama, every time Brandon says Taliban, of course, no one picks up on this because they're idiots, right? They, or, or they're afraid to. They say, hey, uh, you know, the only other person to pronounce uh, uh, the Taliban the way you say it is Obama. Is Obama talking to you about this? <laughs> of course, the answer is yes, he is, right? So anyway, so, so Mr. Taliban, you know, so Mike Pence says we've, we've got to uh, – Ukraine has to win the war, which we all know is impossible, right? There's no war to win. You know, it's going to be how much, is, is you, how much of Ukraine is destroyed before they, they reach a negotiated settlement that they should have reached before, Ukrainian, before, Ukrainian, <laughs> before Ukraine was attacked at all. Uh, in fact, it had the proper position was Trump's position. You notice there was no Ukraine invasion during Trump's administration because Trump was never going to back Ukraine, was never going to send any arms, never going to send soldiers, never going to send billions of dollars. It's like, no, you, you guys figure this out. That's why there's no war in Ukraine. The only reason we had a war in Ukraine is because, you know, Brandon, Obama, you know, sent in the troops and the money. They never should have done that. So they caused the war. So there would be no war in Ukraine uh, with Russia except for United States meddling. We should have stayed the hell out and, out and shut the hell up. Anyway, Mike Pence was talking about the tanks, the Abrams tanks for Ukraine and the F-16s for Ukraine. And we have to back Ukraine. Ukraine is our most important priority right now. Well, that's a bunch of BS. So then Tucker Carlson comes back and says, wait a minute. He's like squeaky boy voice. Wait a minute. <laughs> We've got American cities that are being destroyed. <laughs> We've got crime everywhere. And Mike Pence said, that's not my concern. And then he said it again. That's not my concern. So American cities, in other words, the American people are not his concern. Well, what is his concern? Well, the globalists, obviously. You know, his donors, 
His donors are his concern. And I heard this actually on another talk show, so I must give credit where credit's due. That uh, the donor class, is, and, and someone on One American News said he knows you know, what side his bread is buttered on. He knows that he has to kowtow and cater to the globalists, and the globalists want to make money you know, in Ukraine, regardless of how many Ukrainians and Russians die. They don't care. It's like Henry Kissinger, you know, when he said of the war between uh, Iran and Iraq, he says, it's too bad there can only be one loser. In other words, he didn't care how many Iranians killed Iraqis or how many Iraqis killed Iranians or how, many, how much was destroyed because they're both killing each other, and he didn't like either one. It didn't matter to him. Same thing here. You know, the, the, the Democrat, Republican, deep state people, they don't have any love for Ukraine. You know, they certainly don't have a love for Russia, so they don't care how many Russians and Ukrainians are killed as long as they make money. So much for Mike Pence. So Mike Pence actually said, that's not my concern. <laughs> Sorry. Now, Ron DeSantis actually was pretty good, uh, surprisingly good. He is a good governor, okay? But he is not presidential material, at least not yet. We'll see what happens in, in a few years. Uh, I think he's blown 2028. He should, he should be looking at 2032 at this point. So he's, what, 42 years old? So 2032, that's nine years from now. He'll be 42. He'll be 50. Yeah, okay. So 20, uh, 2032. That's when, Ron, this is, you know, you've blown 2028. You've completely blown 2024, so the only time you can run is 2032. So I'd be looking for Ron DeSantis in 2032, nine years from now, when he's 50. And I would be a lot older. I'd be in my 70s. Anyway, uh, still feisty, though. Don't don't, don't think anything's changing. So, but Ron had some good answers. Um, First of all, he doesn't want, I I think there's a law that he got through that uh, the Chinese Communist Party cannot own land in Florida, like they can in other states, they can buy a farmland, they can buy a land, buy our defense installations, they can do all kinds of things, but they can't in Florida. That's a good thing. This is what makes him a good governor. All right. He also, uh, what else? Another one too. No central bank uh, digital currency in Florida. That's another good thing. So in Florida, he's doing really well. So he has risen to the level of his competence, which is governor of Florida. Uh, he's got a couple of good policies, and you should watch the interview. He actually does really well in the interview. Um, but uh, when it comes to presidential, that's the level of his incompetence. And so the Peter principle is that people rise to the level of, of incompetence, and that's where they stay. So in other words, they do good at one level, and then they rise to the level above that where they're not going to do good, and that's where they stay. So the level of the Peter principle applied to Ron DeSantis would be anything above governor because he's a good governor. He's doing things right. And you can see in the interview. All right, let's get to the last of our characters. I may stop the show early if nobody calls or, or writes or does anything because I'm just, I'm just chatting. Or maybe I'll play something kind of fun. So just chatting. Um, Vic, Vivek Ramaswamy. This is the mystery guy. This is the, the plant. This is the, the Trojan horse. This is the communist, deep state, Soros-backed. Uh, he's, he's like Obama Swamy. He's the, he's the new Obama candidate that wants to fundamentally, tra- fundamentally transform America into a Marxist paradise, um, but he's portraying himself as a conservative, which he's not. How does a 37-year-old make as much money as he has without introducing a single product that he's invented? That's pretty good, huh? How does he get to head up a biotech company at such a young age? You know? uh, and I found it. So, so I started looking at him, and I, said, and I, I put a, a search. I put uh, George Soros and then his comma, Vivek Ramaswamy. I figure if anything you know, matches these two, let's see what happens. Well, sure enough, you know, uh, you know make my day. <laughs> you know, go ahead, make my day. Anyway, so my day was made when, uh, when the Huffington Post, otherwise known as the Huff Post, 
the HuffPost, came out with an article uh, saying that Vivek Ramaswamy paid to have his Wikipedia bio scrubbed of the fact that he won a Doris and Paul Soros Award and a fellowship. Well, Paul Soros apparently is uh, George Soros' older brother. Um, you don't hear about him, but he's got a lot of money too, right? And so they had this foundation grant to uh, Swami. So why would Swami take a Soros grant if he was a conservative? Wouldn't that seem a little strange? Obviously, he didn't want it known because he had it scrubbed from his Wikipedia page. That's kind of strange, too. Apparently, he also had scrubbed that he was part of the COVID-19 response team. Well, that would be pushing masks, <laughs> you know, social distance, um, pushing uh, uh, PCR tests that don't work. You know, none of that works. Social distance doesn't work. Masks don't work. PCR tests don't work. And, of course, he's probably pushing, ultimately, the vaccine to kill people. Not as it was intended, right? So you've got, so he's head of the COVID. So this guy's COVID. Well, it makes sense. He's got a bio, bioengineering firm, biotech firm. You know, so who's to say he wasn't making vaccines under contract for, for Pfizer? He may have. I don't know. Let's find out. Wouldn't that be a good question? Did, I'm write that down. So did Swami's company make vaccine, vaccine or vaccine components? Did Swami, Swami, I'm not going to write down Vivek Ramaswamy every time it's too long. Did Swami's company make vaccines? Aren't you curious? I'm curious. I'll have that for tomorrow. So that's what it looks like. It looks like Swami made, uh, Swami made vaccines. It wouldn't surprise me. So he intentionally removes, this is, what, this is what Obama did. This is why you never heard, and you still haven't heard to this day, Obama's uh, college uh, grades. You will never know Obama's college grades because I'm pretty sure that he didn't take any college courses. He just kind of, you know, was passed on through. He got to do law review. He got to, you know, in law school, he got to write articles. He got to pontificate. But I guarantee you, well, I can't guarantee you, but I'm pretty sure that he didn't do any actual college work. He probably didn't do any work in law school. And that's why he didn't become a lawyer, right? (laughs) How would he be in a trial? I don't think he's got the skills to be a lawyer. Um, but, uh, and I don't think he did anything undergraduate other than get his political indoctrination from the Frank Marshalls and all the other folks and, uh, Saul Linsky and all the people that, uh, influenced him. So that's what it looks like to me. It looks like, uh, that's what Obama is. So, so Swami looks to be the same. Well, where are his college grades? I mean, he graduated summa cum laude, magna cum laude. He's cum something, cum laude, laude, cum, cum laude. Um, but, uh, yeah, where's grades? Have you seen him? I haven't. Where's his transcript? What were his extracurricular activities? Was he on the cricket team, the polo team, these darts? <laughs> you know, what did this guy do in his spare time? I mean, you know, if you're in college, I want to know. I mean, you want to investigate my life. It's pretty simple. Marching band. You know, I was president of the flying club. I was uh, president of the environmental club. And uh, various other things. I was secretary of my fraternity. I, I had a bunch of different things I did in college. Now, you know, my resume, you know, pretty simple stuff. Huh? Mostly I spent time in band and uh, taking an overload of courses. I also had a, an internship in Washington, D.C., where many of the skills I learned observing Congress are used on this show every day. So internships are a good thing. But anyway, that's my resume. So I'm not hiding anything, you know, except a few embarrassing moments, but we all have those, right? Um, but other than that, I'm pretty much an open book. But Swami's not. You know, how, how do you get to, how do you rise at such a young age to run, run a biotech company? The fact is biotech is suspicious. What, what's his connection to big pharma? What's his connection to COVID, to the pandemic? Well, these are all things we need to know. So Swami is the least trustworthy person of any of them. This guy's downright dangerous, I think. And so uh, we'll see. We'll see. We're going to investigate further. I've got a lot of friends who are saying, yeah, Swami's great. He sounds good. Well, he sounds too good. 
So you got to listen. So when anybody speaks in mindless platitudes, when they don't offer specific solutions, you know, then you got to wonder about them. But what, you know, you look at anything that we do on this show, not only do we have a solution, we have a bill for it. Well, Greg, what's your, in fact, ask me, I'd love to have somebody interview me. Wouldn't that be fun? Someone's got to come up and interview me. Well, Greg, what would you do about the national debt? Well, <laughs> Tucker, <laughs> you know, it's pretty simple. Uh, I w- we have a bill that uh, is a constitutional amendment that ends the power of Congress to borrow money. So there'd be no more borrowing. If there's no more borrowing, there's no more printing of money uh, above what, uh, what they actually have. You know, so we'd stabilize the currency because there's no reason to print extra money, right? So we can get rid of the Fed. That's in the bill, too. So we get rid of the Fed, get rid of any central bank, get, uh, keep the currency stable. Um, and uh, the, if the government can't print money to cover expenses, then they can't create extra expenses. So they, they can only spend you know, money on what they actually have. Well, that gets rid of inflation. That actually causes deflation, right? So, so the, the, instead of having 2 to 10% of our money, our value, transfer to the Fed and to the, to the big banks and the government, you know, 2 to 10% of money would be transferring back to us in terms of value. Because if the, if the currency is stable and we're increasing the, the economy, the economy is growing because of population, you know, labor, finished goods, raw materials, you know, that kind of stuff. The stuff that makes the actual wealth. So if the economy is producing stuff for sale uh, and more people are making it, then the economy is going to grow and more people are buying it. That's how it works. More people, population plus labor plus raw materials equals finished goods and wealth and sales. That's how it works. That's how you create wealth. You, you, you add labor to raw materials and you make stuff. That's, that's what wealth is. It's, it's actually pretty simple. And you have a certain amount of services which sort of go along with it. But, the, but what it really comes down to, what really creates wealth for a country is taking raw materials and making them finished goods with labor and machines, but mostly labor. That's how you do it. Okay, it's pretty simple, right? So if, you're, if your country is growing, if your population is growing with citizens, not illegals, um, if they're producing more and better because the machines are better, uh, if you've got access to raw materials, which we do, and you're producing really good finished goods that other countries are buying, especially, you're going to bring in money. You're going to bring in money from American consumers. You're going to bring in money from uh, foreign investors and foreign purchasers. And that's going to be more money for the country. Printing it is different. Now, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but as money comes in, that's good. So there's more money for, for investing for capital goods, you know, and we get more wealth. Now, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but money created that way is good. Money created by borrowing is not because it's, it's invented out of nothing. And when you create money out of nothing, that's when you get inflation. When you create money out of something, you get a bigger economy. That's the difference. So let me explain it that way. It's probably what makes the most sense. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's my solution. You take away the power of Congress to borrow money. You end inflation. Uh, the national debt will be paid off as the treasuries that uh, fund the national debt. You know, the money that's borrowed against will get paid off. The, um, we'll actually get deflation. Because the currency will remain stable, but the economy will grow, which means prices will drop. Well, as prices drop and the money becomes more valuable, the value of money gets transferred from the Fed, from the central banks, from the government, back to the people. So our retirements become more valuable. Our savings become more valuable. Our money becomes more valuable. If you have 10% deflation, that means your dollar is worth $1.10 next year in purchasing power compared to today's dollars. Well, the year after that, it's worth, uh, what's it, what's a dollar 10 plus 10%? I don't know. You know, dollar 20, one or dollar 22, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, it's worth more. So if each year, uh, it, so if you have a deflation of 10%, then your dollar, it still stays a dollar, but it's purchasing power. You know, the next year, you only need 90 cents to buy the same thing. 
The next year after that, you only need 80 cents at 10% inflation. Whoop, hang on. Chair's getting ruined. I only have five minutes left anyway. But that's how it works. So if you want to ask direct questions, what do you do about vaccine liability? Will you change the law in two places, saying they will be liable instead of not being liable? That's easy. How about big tech? Well, you say the big tech is immune from what people do on social media and with search engines, but if they touch search engine results or social media, then they lose their immunity and you can sue them. I'll tell you, that's it. That's that's our whole big tech bill. You know, our bill to disarm uh, 287,000 armed bureaucrats, which is probably larger than the Ukrainian army right now. So if you really want to send people over to Ukraine, send over our bureaucrats. They've got millions of guns and billions of rounds of ammunition. Send them over. Let them go fight. No, I wouldn't do that. But we have a bill to disarm the feds. How? By taking their guns and ammo, uh, declaring that they only have three crimes that they can solve per the Constitution, which are treason, piracy, and uh, um, counterfeiting. I'll accept Marco's leaving. Let me give Marco a little goodbye, Marco. I wrote Maroc. (laughs) Marco, there we go. Uh, So, yeah, Marco's over there in the Netherlands. Um, But, yeah, so there's only three crimes in the Constitution, treason, piracy, and counterfeiting. Well, treason is only during time of war, uh, and we haven't had a declared war since World War II. And the U.S. Marshals can pick up the the, the traitors so that, that they can be armed. Uh, piracy, well, that's, that's um, you know, on the high seas and in the air. So that'd be the Air Force, the Navy, the Coast Guard, um, the Army, the Marines, and the National Guard. So they're, they're the ones are going to handle piracy. <laughs> okay. If it's domestic, you know, it could be uh, state police, local police, things like that, hijackings, that kind of stuff. So, uh, so that's, that's, you know, that's piracy. So we got, and the last one is counterfeiting. Well, that's the Secret Service. So you put the Secret Service back in the Treasury. So the only federal people that can be armed are the U.S. Marshals for, for traitors during time of war and the Secret Service for counterfeiting. And I'd say dignitary protection, too, and protection of the president. That's it. Nobody else in the federal government is allowed to be armed. So you take all those guns and all those ammo, those, those, those uh, million-plus guns and billions of rounds of ammunition, and you give it back to the people through the Civilian Marksmanship Program, which determines citizenship. That's how you handle that. You know, what do we do to, to get money into Americans' pockets? Well, you end any withholding of income during the time people are earning their standard deduction. Easy peasy. We have a bill for that. You know, how do we bring the Supreme Court back into compliance with the Constitution? Well, have you build that outlaws judicial review? How would you handle all the illegal aliens that are born here in this country? Well, we have a bill that revokes their, their fraud citizenship and makes them the citizen of their, their parents as far back as you can go and, and put citizenship on the driver's licenses. So we have, we have answers to all these things. We really do. We have answers to pretty much everything. What we don't have is people sharing our bills and sharing our shows. That's what you need to do. You need to share the bill and you need to share the shows. Uh, share the bills, share the shows, and we can fix all this stuff. And we really can. Anyway, it's uh, 9.58. I haven't even played any commercials yet. 9.58. That's because I've been having so much fun. So let me play a few things for you. It's been a great day. We're back tomorrow uh, with um, uh, Bill Fecky first thing in the morning, and then Wendy Arthur with the Oh My God Report, Bill Fecky with the Fecky Report, and then Bonnie Nesbitt with, uh, with her report, uh, the Bond Report. <laughs> We've got a new theme for her. So let's do that. Let me play a few things now, and I'll be back um, tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time, when we will do it all again. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call in line is 215-383-3832. 
Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. 
which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strike Force is at StrikeForceEnergy.com. That's StrikeForceEnergy.com. Start your engine. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.